I, I wanted to start today, Cody, uh, mm-hmm. with with two questions, two points. First of all, did you see that Goose was a scab? He's a scab? Yeah, he's out here promoting the movie while the actors are on strike. He's doing interviews on the red oh. carpet, giving interviews <laughs> for the Marvels, dude. Lurkin's got to make his money somehow, you know? I just personally don't think he should uh, ever work in Hollywood again. Second question, did you see the Marvels trailer that came out uh, earlier today, uh, Tuesday, that we're recording this? I, I definitely did not. Well, before we record this episode, I'm going to ask you to pull it up and check it out. <laughs> I don't even want to watch it. Cody, it you got to watch it. Movie? It's going to spoil the movie, dude. So Cody, now that you've uh, watched the trailer, uh-huh. uh, what do you think of that that opening? I mean, they're really deep in it. The, the early projections for this movie are very poor. It's not expected to do I a lot of money at the box office. I believe it's tracking underneath The Flash, which premiered to record low superhero numbers earlier this year um they're breaking out the the archival rdj uh chris evans footage to really push this movie personally i'm you know not excited about it because i can't say i've really been excited about a marvel project in the last like three or four years um extremely so but i think i'm you know cautiously optimistic i hope that there's a chance that it can be decent i, I like the people involved uh, i know we're big fans of the director nita costa um what are your thoughts on the marvels before we talk captain marvel today yeah i think it's a great uh place to start i don't know i'm, I'm kind of i'm excited to see what they're going to do the thing that worries me that is kind of evident in the trailers as well is i don't really love the villain and like you're saying i mean even the opening of this trailer is like hey guys remember endgame and it's like oh the villain's kind of the same thing it was just like an offshoot of thanos in a sense so i don't really love that and the visual style of the villain too i'm kind of like yeah i don't love it but that trailer i actually kind of like that trailer i'm not gonna lie i didn't know um what's her face from uh thor is, is in this movie so that's kind of cool and they're teasing like a bigger cameo it seems like so bringing more crossover i'm down for that but I think it's really evident too of just like because I've heard inklings online like Marvel's talking about maybe bringing back like RDJ and Chris Evans, which to me, I don't know. Like I'd watch it obviously because I'll pretty much watch anything they'll produce because I have no life. But I don't know if that's a really a good idea. And I feel like that is just the panicking because of some box office decline recently. There's been a ton of Marvel news recently, and we'll get into the why of that here in a second. But um Despite the strikes going on, there is the 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 wheels have not stopped turning at the Disney machine, um, and the Marvels is coming out this weekend regardless. So um, you and I will both see it, and we'll share our thoughts uh, in a later episode down the road. But today, welcome back to Cody and Corbin have a podcast where we're talking about Captain Marvel. So you're not from around here. It's hard to explain. I keep having these memories. I see flashes. I think I had a life here. But I can't tell if it's real. idea what threats are out there we can't do this alone we need you 
I'm not what you think I am. As always, I'm your host, Corbin Zavokal, and joining me is my co-host, Cody Webb. Cody, what's going on? We are back. We are potting. We're back in the MCU, which I love. Should be a great episode, man. I'm excited. So let's get into the why. Why me? Why did you pick me? I selected this movie. I gave you a, a couple options, mm-hmm. um, but I was leaning in this direction specifically because it felt like one that I needed to return to. You and I both. I don't know how many times you rewatched this movie since 2019, but probably not a ton. Um, and we've got the sequel, like we've talked about coming out this weekend, the Marvel. So it seemed like the perfect time to really, uh, re-examine this, this classic film. I wanted to talk about all that Marvel shit as well. That was kind of coming out. So notably a big book was released in like the last month, month and a half MCU, the reign of Marvel, which has turned into like countless poll quotes that have been circulated on Twitter about, oh, this and that, and the feud between the Netflix and the the TV division and all this stuff about how Brie Larson was originally supposed to be, you know, very central to the future of the Marvel world post Endgame. And, you know, because of various reasons, those plans kind of fell through that we'll talk about. Um, And then on top of that, Variety just had this big, you know, front page, is Marvel in trouble article, you know, detailing the Jonathan Majors issues, the Marvel's issues that are, you know, happening, you know, this movie, the Marvel's was pushed back, I think like two and a half years at some point because of that, Nia Costa had to like leave and do some of the final end of the production work remotely. Um, It kind of seems like maybe Marvel sharing that information to kind of like, you know, have their back. Oh, the director left the project. That's why it's going to be a bad movie. Um, But everything uh, is talking about how Marvel is very up and down right now. Um, And I think, you know, when you consider 2018, 2019 really being the peak of Marvel and you have Infinity War and Endgame as such highs, this movie that made over a billion dollars, I think, is considered a big low for them. And I think it kind of really fits into that very up and down nature that we've seen with Marvel. You know, you have all this bad news and then the Echo trailer drops and everyone's back on the bandwagon, right? Um, And I think... You know, is Marvel the Marvel is going to be the bounce back after Quantum Mania, or is it going to be? I guess it's the pitfall after Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. I'm not sure. Um, excited to see what happens. Yeah, and I don't know. It, it's really hard to tell what's what's coming in the future for Marvel. Um, uh, a bold prediction here, Corbin. You already said it, but I don't think this movie's making too much money. If I'm being completely honest. Even if it's like ridiculously good, which I think it has the possibility to be, but I would be surprised. Even if it's like 98% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. I think this movie is still bombing catastrophically just based off of what we're seeing. But I do think you are correct in what you're saying there as well. Like we're kind of just past the the prime of Marvel, I think, in a sense. Maybe Variety's uh, right for once. I don't know if that's ever happened in their history. Uh, shout out to their terrible um, covers they have all the time. But I think um, when this movie did come out 2019, like you said, it came out during the perfect time from a money-making standpoint, because obviously it was a sandwich between the two biggest Avengers movies that the MCU will ever have. Um, so I think that timing definitely helped it out. But also just the idea of, you know, a female-led superhero in this universe, I think is something that audiences like do want to see. But I feel like, and we'll go into this a lot, obviously, but I think this first, you know, attempt at it was just not very well done on kind of a lot of different standpoints. So I think that like uh, obviously a lot of people clamored to come out to the first one, but I think unfortunately a lot of people were uh, disappointed. So I think that'll definitely affect the box office for for this 
opening weekend for the sequel. Like I said, too, I mean, it's been pushed back so many times. Um, who even remembers when its original release date was? But there's a lot of kind of uh, circulating factors with the MCU. But like I said, right now, it's kind of just a wasteland. And I, I don't know what their kind of project is to get them back on track in a sense. But uh, yeah, I really don't think this this sequel is, is going to be that project at all. Cody, you mentioned everybody flocking out to the theaters in 2019. Do you remember, Do you remember? the first time you saw this film? <laughs> um i like kind of remember i mean 2019 obviously only what four or five years ago at this point so it's definitely in my memory bank i did go see it in theaters probably wasn't opening weekend i I always see movies like during the week i don't know why but i'm assuming it was it was one of those because i think the theaters were pretty packed for for opening weekend on on this flick i don't even remember my theater experience for being honest 2019 how long ago was that? I don't know. Was it Purdue days? I don't think so. Yeah, when? so uh, I can share, shed a little bit of light um, on the circumstances. Oh, did we go see it together, Corbin? We did not see it together, sorry. <laughs> um, I would say we uh, obviously had signed a lease together, but we were not necessarily the best of friends at the time. Um, <laughs> I saw this movie with three guests of the podcast. Whoa. Austin okay. Neidenhelzer, Jake Ross, and Tyler Cagle, because we all, my freshman year, at Purdue went on spring break together and we were down in Florida in Orlando and we went to Disney Springs the AMC theater there uh and saw Captain Marvel uh and it was quite the experience <laughs> other than that I don't have any uh like direct memories but that was just like one of the things of you know we we went to a baseball game we went to the beach you know had to hit a movie uh on the trip as well and, and Captain yeah. Marvel just happened to be the one I mean for that period of my life I was very into Marvel and I still can appreciate these movies and um you know will watch I think anything that's theatrically released from them um when it comes out but I was very much a huge fan as many people were unsurprisingly it was it was a very much a monoculture moment and I had to go out to see this movie um with my friends in theaters and it it was a no-brainer that's awesome shout out to the former uh pod members there sounds like a fun experience obviously in florida and that kind of gives me a better general timeline either possibly i was on spring break as well and probably just waited a couple weekends or i wasn't doing anything on spring break and probably so so i like the opening thursday night show so i'm not too sure might have to do some digging with that but like you're saying too i mean at this point i feel like this the first film as well was marketed a ton of like you need to see this to be caught up on the next avengers movie and i mean infinity war coming out like my personal standpoint, that's a top three MCU uh, film for me, like no doubt. So I feel like the hype after that. And the post credit scene of Infinity War is a tease for yeah. this movie. It's awesome. It's a really good post credit scene too with shout out Sam Jackson uh, cursing in the afterlife. Uh, <laughs> uh, pretty iconic. But I mean, this and then Ant-Man and the Wasp, I feel like in a sense, just made their money off of being sandwiched in between Avengers films. But hey, timing is time. that's all that matters in, in the movie industry. So yeah, definitely an interesting time though, 2019. Uh, great movie year. Yeah. I wanted to talk bring that up, Cody. Yeah. Great movie year. I, it was the first year of our friendship, I can say that. It's really uh, when we, we really started hanging out. <laughs> um, we did go see 1917 in 2019 yeah. together. That's a movie. And we also <laughs> saw Knives Out together, Cody. <laughs> I do recall both of them. <laughs> took me a little bit to uh to remember 1917 uh yeah good both good theater experiences i would say 
<laughs> you uh you watched this on Disney Plus, I imagine, correct? I did. And as well, like you said, I haven't rewatched it um since I saw it in theaters originally. I think my initial reaction to it in theaters as well was, you know, fairly borderline negative. I didn't love it. So I wasn't kind of clamoring for a rewatch or anything on that side of things, but this time I did go to the mouse house. I uh, checked it out on Disney Plus. Yeah, I assume you did the same. Yeah, I did. Uh, IMAX enhanced once again. Right. Uh, it's <laughs> the same thing that we ran into with the Guardians movie that we watched. Yeah. Um, it's switching the aspect ratios back and forth uh, constantly. It's pretty distracting. And yeah, if you listen to our Guardians episode, I mentioned that one of the things up at the top. And it's the exact same thing here. It's just like, oh, action sequence. We're going full screen. Oh, it's really it, jarring when it goes from the the big down to the little. Yeah. Um. I find, uh, it's less. I mean, when you watch a movie in an IMAX theater, like that's what would happen as well. But um, I feel like when you're watching it on your laptop and it's like, okay, this big action sequence, or even not even action sequence. Her her riding a motorcycle is shot with IMAX cameras, <laughs> um, and IMAX enhanced on Disney Plus, and then it switches back. There's probably a way to turn it off, but it's a little, you know. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Actually, there probably is, but hey, man, that motorcycle scene is is one of the best in the film. So, gotta get that in in HD, man. Come on, Cody. Let's get into our initial thoughts. Good morning, Vietnam. How much do you know about the character of Captain Marvel in terms of the comic book lore and history? I wouldn't call myself an expert, but you know, I, I know a few things here and there. Off the bat, I mean, jumping into that, this movie is not comic accurate in the slightest. Um, and I'll get I'll get into a bunch more of the specifics in in my bad on a couple of the major character changes in a sense. But yeah, I, I think this this movie looks at the comics and is like, oh, like I like that character, I like this character, and then kind of just puts it in whatever story they want. They do that with you know the the quote unquote villains here as well. Kree and, and the Scrolls War is obviously a massive thing in the comics. But from my understanding, I mean, most of the times in the comics, Scrolls are the bad guys. Like, Scrolls are not great. So I think that was one of the things, too, that was kind of jarring to me uh, at the beginning of the movie. I was like, oh, I forgot, like, the first hour pretty much. Like, they play it heavily, like, the Scrolls are the villains. Because um, I, I do really like Ben Mendelsohn. I guess, spoiler alert, a little bit for my good here, but how can you hate Ben Mendelsohn? So when he comes on screen and he's doing like some menacing villain lines, you're like, okay, this guy's a badass. Like I like Ben Mendelsohn, but on the rewatch, I'm like, oh, I, I know that it's Talos. And obviously, you know, he's a pretty decent guy, but I thought it was interesting on the rewatch being like, you know, they did kind of set the, up the scrolls to be something completely different in the first hour. And honestly, I feel like if they made the scrolls, the villains, um, this movie would be a lot more interesting. But yeah, I'll throw it back to you. I, I'm guessing you, you're not a massive uh, Captain Marvel comic fan. <laughs> well, the thing about it, and you can't really complain about like the comic accuracy because this is one of those characters that like there's a fuck ton of iterations of. And like obviously Carol Danvers is the thing that we're specifically focused on. But like even her, she was originally a Miss Marvel. And now that's, you know, Kamala Khan that we're seeing in the Marvel's movie. And like Captain Marvel, like... Obviously, yeah, yes. Well, we'll get into like Annette Benning's character, Marvel, in yeah. in that's kind of Daniel's origin story. Like they, she gets like blown up and their blood fuses or whatever. And yeah, now and that's, that's blood. kind of the thing with this movie too is they don't really explain anything with the origin story, which I feel like is a little frustrating. But you're hundred percent right. I mean, the Captain Marvel character in general, if we're talking comics, there's been so many iterations. The original, like you're saying, Marvel. Uh, was turned into Captain Marvel, was a man, 
And then originally it was changed to Carol Danvers, who was this pilot on Earth. And then, like you said, too, you got all the DC lawsuit back and forth. Yep. Like, oh, we all like, got our own. Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel is the same thing. But also, my background, which is a, an X Men character, Rogue, in the comics, steals uh, Miss Marvel's powers. So that's why in like X Men animation in the 90s, Rogue was like flying around and punching everybody. But in like the 2000 X Men movies, she's just this lame who can only like, touch people and, and they like die in a sense. So there's been tons of different iterations. Um, Captain Marvel 2 has been like a, a member of the Guardians. So they can literally go any direction they want. I think possibly they just was like, no, we're, we're not going to do any of that and do our own thing, which I, I don't think really worked too well, to be honest. Yeah. Back to the scrolls thing, Cody. Does this movie, I, I didn't watch Secret Invasion. Give me, how does the movie feel with that context? Is there any connection? Is there any any thoughts you want to share? Yeah, that was 100% of my list. I wanted to bring it up to you. Like, talking about Talos, like, I'm forgetting he was the bad guy. If that tells you anything, like, this was the setup movie for Secret Invasion. And like, this is a terrible setup for that. But yeah, I mean, really nothing is, is kind of um, transported into the Secret Invasion series other than like Talos's wife and daughter are in this like super, super briefly. So I guess that's like Amelia Clark uh, retconned uh, being his daughter in like one scene in this movie. I don't know if she gets credit uh, for that. So maybe we'll check that on in the IMDb known for. But yeah, I mean, this movie does kind of secret invasion, no favors in a sense. It doesn't set up anything cool with the scrolls. It kind of just leaves them to the side. And even at the end, Carol Danvers is like, oh, I'm going to help find you guys at home. And that was kind of the whole thing with Secret Invasion. That's exactly what Sam Jackson said to them. And he didn't find them home. He he got snapped away, obviously. Um, and that's what they were pissed about. That's kind of why they were rebelling the entire series. I got to catch some people up, Carbon, because nobody watched it. But catch me up. <laughs> I don't know why weren't they mad at Carol Danvers? Because verbatim in this movie. 20 like, fucking years, dude. Or I'm 30 years, pretty much. But she just 90s, jets off to, She jets off to who knows where I, we don't even know where she's been protecting the fucking universe there's bigger problems than just c53 true that's a, a good end game line but hey new girl everybody in this room is about that superhero life and if you don't mind my asking where the hell have you been all this time there are a lot of other planets in the universe and unfortunately they didn't have you guys um you know one line doesn't explain the whole movie i don't think unfortunately but yeah, uh, I would not recommend Secret Invasion. Uh, pretty bad from start to finish. And uh, this movie doesn't have really any good setup for it either, which is pretty disappointing. You said you would have liked to seen them be the main villains of this movie. And I don't necessarily know. I, I like the like ideas they're playing with. And we'll get into that more of like, you know, they're the secret. It's an unjust war, whatever. They're basically <laughs> refugees. But Skrulls as a concept are such a cool villain. And it's unfortunate that we don't get to see those full possibilities tapped into. Secret Invasion is a comic book storyline that I feel like is so, not maybe, I don't know if I want to say beloved, because I, I guess I can't speak to that fully, but like it is known iconic. for because, it, yeah, it's iconic because it's like such a cool, like anybody could be a scroll and like they're the ultimate bad guy. They're, they're hidden amongst our myths and like from the tippy top, like any Avenger could have been, right? And it just feels like we never got to live up to that potential in this movie or in a Secret Invasion TV show, and we probably never will. 
I agree completely. You're taking the worst bite out of my mouth there. In a sense, I think exactly what you said. What makes this role so cool is they can infiltrate an entire society and you have no idea what's happened to you. Uh, one of the most iconic things in the comics, which again, I'm no expert on, but uh, Sue Storm is kind of revealed to be a scroll. And it's like, how did this happen? Like, this is one of the most powerful kind of, you know, teams in the Marvel Universe. And they got infiltrated. It's one of the smartest, too, just from a uh, a mind standpoint. And that's kind of the cool thing, too. In, in the comics, I think it leans more of like the Kree scroll, scroll war. Like, they're both the bad guys. <laughs> like, they're both dicks, basically. But in this movie, it's like, oh, if there's a war, you know, there's got to be a good guy and a bad guy, in a sense. I don't like that. I think if the scrolls... I think maybe if you kind of soft play them in the first hour, kind of reverse it a little bit, make it seem like the scrolls are like being picked off by the Kree, which I mean, in reality, they probably are. But then at like halfway through, like have a massive turn and be like, oh, these guys suck too. Like we need to. Or like that. one of the Kree that she knew was a scroll or something. Like, yeah. I mean, give, <laughs> give Jude Law anything to do in this movie, really. <laughs> so he's a prime candidate. Or Jamin Hansu. I love Jamin Hansu, but yeah, I, I think... He's so from... mean to him, man. <laughs> she called him ugly. <laughs> Jamin does not deserve that. I know. And then somebody else on the team, I think it's Gemma Chan, she's like, uh, objectively, you're actually a really good-looking guy, so I don't know what she's talking about. So uh, they got Jamin's back. He's handsome. He's, he's a great-looking guy. But uh, yeah, I think this this script is is pretty bad and, and one of the worst the MCU's produced in a while. <laughs> good way to end. I, I do want to say... Uh, this movie has been overhated for very obvious reasons that it is the first female superhero that Brie Larson herself has become a target online uh, because of a lot of a lot of misogynistic people um, in the same way that like women have repeatedly been targeted, whether it's like Jennifer Lawrence or Anne Hathaway, or even like now, like I see like Rachel Zegler, Rachel Zegler getting insane hate for all the snow white. And now, you know, hunger games is coming out stuff. And it, it's ridiculous and like they're talented people and then and regardless of the fact they don't deserve to be harassed and you know tormented online purely because they are women who are appearing in predominantly male environments um i think it's really important that this movie happened it sucks that of course marvel did it in 2019 after the entire mcu had been built they essentially did to this movie what the dcu did with all of their movies where it's like oh we've already done everything and now we're going to do the origin stories they did that to captain marvel like we're going to shoot endgame first and then like hey brie larson you don't know this character be an endgame give us a performance and then we'll give you a origin movie to create after that fact um all the hate she receives kind of pushes her away from this role makes her not really want to be the face of marvel um which contributes to that fact really the plan was post endgame it was going to be tom holland chad Bozeman, and brie larson obviously for a lot of different reasons you can kind of see why those plans fell through but um rest in peace to chad Bozeman. It's very unfortunate that a lot of people approach this movie from the wrong direction. We are going to share some very obvious critiques. And honestly, there are a lot of problems. And those come from the writer and the director and the Marvel Studios as a whole and the performances involved. But it's not just because Brie Larson is a woman and this is a female superhero. <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate. I, I agree completely. And I am glad that like, this wasn't kind of the first mainstream superhero female-led movie. I'm glad Wonder Woman did come out first. Um, it kind of showed the standard of what, I guess, all superheroes movies really should should kind of follow up on. But 
I agree completely. I mean, the internet obviously stays defeated. Um, you know, they'll get mad over anything, obviously, especially anything female led, which is just obviously completely bonkers. Like I said, too, I, I do feel a little bit bad for Brie Larson just because she's pretty much stuck in maybe the worst situation possible. Like I said, with Endgame, too, like she kind of just had to, you know, make up this character's personality as she went along. And then she gets thrown, you know, 20, 30 years back in the past and is supposed to kind of figure it out after the fact. I don't love that. And again, I think, uh, like I was saying, the majority of the problems that I have with this movie is the writing. Um, I don't love Brie Larson's uh, performance, which I'll get into, but she's definitely not like terrible by any means. Um, and all the female uh, actresses I actually really like. I like her relationship a ton with Lashana Lynch and um, I, I don't know the kid actor's name, but uh, Monica Rambeau, uh, the character. I like their like little family dynamic a ton. But yeah, I mean, from a writing standpoint, <laughs> there's a ton of issues which we'll get into, but 100% good to preface that. Uh, and another small thing I want to touch on too, obviously Rip Chadwick Boseman, Rip Stanley as well, man. Um, I do like a ton that the opening like Marvel credit shots is just all of Stanley's cameos. This was his last uh, cameo in an MCU film. So that's pretty cool. Um, and it's a, it's a fun cameo too. He's just like reading mall rats on, on this like subway train, uh, which is fun. And uh, Brie Larson gives him a little smirk um so I thought well, was good. interesting the so the line he says is he was he was pretty sick at the time that he performed that cameo so they used the audio from mall rats trust me believer trust me as nice. like a little bit of replacement dialogue to, to make sure it could get in and obviously it fits the moment very well as well yeah that is cool um i wanted to ask you as well do you have a favorite like stanley cameo I think, I think for me, I would say the Deadpool one where he's the DJ um, in a strip club. I don't know. I feel like just giving Stan the most fun thing to do because I feel like most times it's just random. Like in like the Spider-Man movies, he's just like pulling people off the street when like stuff is falling from buildings. Um, Spider-Man 3, he has like a, a minute long scene with uh, Tommy McGuire where he's talking about like, oh, the littlest person can kind of help. So that one's good too, but did you have any that uh, are memorable? Well, in terms of a story contribution, I think the Into the Spider-Verse one is like oh, yeah. really incredible. You know, it gives them the the costume, you know, of it'll fit, right? Um, no returns. And then I, I always love, and I I love the Tony Stank, the, the Captain America <laughs> Civil War. I had to look up which movie it was, but he's I playing the, the FedEx driver. Are you Tony Stank? I, I like yeah. that. Civil War, uh, my favorite MCU movie. That is up there as well with with one of the best cameos as well. So I love that. He's the king. Uh, rest in peace to him as well. Um, and I, I do I love that the logo. Just he he was the he was the creator of a lot of this. So let's talk about the people who made this movie happen, Cody. With IMDb known for. Do I know you? I mean, where do I know you from? We've talked about it on the podcast in the past about how like horror direction can kind of be the pipeline into the big blockbuster and. Um, you have to learn a lot when it comes to making a horror movie and kind of DUI things. Um, another place that, you know, the blockbuster can come from is just the classic indie. You know, you can take two, you know, a husband and a wife pairing who made a couple indie darling films. They went to NYU and you can snatch them up and say, hey, don't you want to be the directors and writers of Captain Marvel? Because listen, it's a hundred million dollar plus movie and there's a lot of big action scenes, but you don't have to worry about any of that because we've pre-visited all 
we're going to do all the fight scenes and you guys can handle everything else in between. And uh, that is exactly what happened um, in this movie. And now listen, the indie director, you can pull some Ryan Coogler. He, you know, came out of USC, did Fruitville Station, got plucked up. Black Panther's amazing. Some of the previous stuff type stuff happened there. It's a very Marvel move that continuously has happened. Um, but let's talk about Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, the uh, director pairing of this movie. Cody, I imagine you don't know a ton, but they're four, both the same. Half Nelson, Captain Marvel, It's Kind of a Funny Story, and Sugar. Have you seen anything from them? I have not. The one I have heard of is Half Nelson here. Um, obviously, a Ryan Gosling joint. Um, and I feel like just like an offshoot joke of like something along the lines. And then it's the punchline of, oh, he like gave him a half Nelson or something. So that's the extent of, of uh, these people's careers that I know. So not great. Have you seen any of these movies? I've not seen any of these. I have seen uh, one movie that they directed, Mississippi Grind, which is a Ryan Reynolds and actually yes. Ben Mendelsohn movie. <laughs> I've seen that. As well. I, I caught that on cable one time. Like I said, I like Ben Mendelsohn. Him and Ryan Reynolds were a fun pair. Another interesting script. I kind of like the direction in that movie, Loki. So I feel like I would like some of their other stuff as well. But Mississippi Grind is is funny. Uh, I, I have seen that as well, weirdly enough. I, I think that might, uh, I mean, I, I haven't seen anything else, but it's their best work. I'm, I'm declaring <laughs> it now. Um, I do like Mississippi Grind. It's a fun, you know, gambling movie. And it, it's Ryan Reynolds before he became corrupted. <laughs> <laughs> i would recommend it as well so i'm on board um i will shout out looks like they've been doing some uh, uh billions the tv show directing some you know the affair some some tv direction as of late but post captain marvel there's there's not a ton um i feel bad for them honestly more than anything that you know i'm sure they had a lot of plans and hopes and you just get kind of sucked up into the marvel machine a little bit and uh you combine that with a movie that had to compete with the expectations that it was going to be bad already because of the misogyny and the hate. And uh, it just wasn't good enough to kind of push through that and, and float above, unfortunately. Um, Brie Larson, her four, Room, Captain Marvel, Short Term 12, and Avengers Endgame. Um, I'm not sure about the Avengers Endgame cover, uh, inclusion here in the four spot. What do you think about these four for Brie Larson? Um, I like these four for the most part. I think the obvious two are obviously Broom and then Captain Marvel here. I think those are definitely the, the two things that I know are from most. The end game inclusion, like you said, I don't hate it. I don't know. I, I feel like for kind of a franchise, because I feel like IMDb has always got to throw in kind of a large cast and a franchise pick. They could have gone like Fast X, but instead they went Avengers Endgame. So I don't hate it that much just because it's kind of taking fast x out of the running in a sense true <laughs> but along with uh short term 12 i've not seen that honestly too i've never even heard of that so i'm not sure what that is but well, Cody, like, you have heard of it because a couple I... seasons ago when we were doing our wonderful defeat the watch list this was one of the movies that was assigned to me and i did watch it and checked it really? out i reported back to you about it um it does have lakeith stanfield everybody's favorite and it is in the realm of things I wish Brie Larson was still doing. Similar to this, similar to Room. Um, I think she's an extremely talented actress. And really early on, she had extreme uh, bright spots and roles. And I mean, even 
I don't want to spoil our three movie mini draft that we're going to get to later, but like even in stuff like Scott Pilgrim, where she's barely in it and she kind of just like pops, um, she kind of gets a little bit sucked up into Marvel without even doing that much Marvel stuff. It's kind of the crazy thing. Um, you get Kong Skull Island, I guess, thrown in there as well. Uh, but she just hasn't done a lot since Captain Marvel. It's been super interesting. You mentioned Fast X, and that is is terrible. Just fucking awful. <laughs> yeah. She plays little nobody. I agree. I think her her movie progression, like it sucks. I think she's a really talented actress. Obviously, I mean, she won Best Actress. That doesn't just happen, you know, by chance. And then after that, like you said, she kind of just got sucked into kind of the MCU action scene. And now she's doing Fast and Furious movies. So, again, we might have to do another uh, The Worst Agents in Hollywood episode because Brie Larson, I think, will be at the top of that list. But yeah, get her back in the dramas, man. I think she's a heck of an actor. And um, it sucks to see her kind of just be stuck in these lame action roles where she doesn't have anything to do. I imagine Marvel's comes out. Maybe that replaces Endgame. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think Endgame is just such a like memorable movie in the scape of superhero movies where i feel like that'll especially imdb where they don't really care about anything i guess in general but i feel like she is remembered a little bit for endgame more than than fast x and i mean i'm sure nobody's gonna see the marvels so i feel like that won't be a massive thing but i bet the game is still there at the end of the year only other thing that really of note she has upcoming uh, is Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. Are you familiar with what this is, Cody? It's uh, coming to Netflix soon, November yeah, 17th. Yeah, I believe it's just a follow-up, but in uh, animation form. So I assume she's just coming back for a voice role, which would be cool. Um, I'm surprised that movie hasn't gotten a sequel, too. I feel like it has low-key kind of a, a bigger cult following. Like, that movie feels like you're kind of watching a comic book in a sense, too. I feel like the the style well, I mean, it's based on a graphic novel yeah. um so there's obviously a lot of room for adaptation there's there's more to it than what we see in the movie uh i think this is like a multi-episode anime kind of influence but the cool thing about it is it is the entire cast from the movie returning to voice their roles including kieran culkin who notably in the trailers has uh not sounded <laughs> incredibly uh affecting in his performance really? i'll say that <laughs> shout out to kieran <laughs> i mean that's a great cast um like i said i i'm, I'm shocked it it's taken this long to bring them all back together but i mean anime that that leans in perfectly as well to it's kind of that subgenre so that'll be interesting i'm sure uh, that'll be pretty popular when it comes out cody ben mendelson rogue one a star wars story animal yeah. kingdom the dark knight rises and ready player one interesting for what do you think about it yeah very interesting for her. I have a lot to say at this. Um, first off, uh, Rogue One's awesome. Um, Loki, uh, Disney wise, I think that's the best Star Wars movie they've ever made. Um, and uh, director Krennic is who uh, Ben Mendelsohn plays, the main antagonist in the movie. He's awesome, dude. He, he's such a fun villain, just, just because he goes with it. He knows kind of exactly what role they need for him there. And uh, yeah, he's amazing. That if you haven't seen Rogue One recently, I would go back and watch that. Um, I did check out another Gareth Edwards movie recently too, which we'll get to, but his cinematography over water is unbelievable. And that uh, Rogue One has a lot of that. But the big thing that sticks out here to me, why is the Dark Knight Rises on his list here? We did an episode on the Dark Knight Rises. Go check it out. I was trying to figure out who he plays. <laughs> oh, I know exactly who he plays, but I, I mentioned him probably in like 
30 seconds of that entire like hour and a half episode. So that shows how small of a role he has. It is when Bane is in some sort of mansion at the beginning with a bunch of rich people and Ben Mendelsohn's working for him. But then uh, Bane just kills him. And th- that's the entirety of the movie that he's in. So I'm pretty shocked that that made his top four. Popular uh, film. For- yeah, true. Ready Player One, he's the main villain in that too. Like he's just a great villain. Um, that movie's you know hit or miss. It's not one of my favorites, but it's still Spielberg, so it's not terrible. But I feel like his filmography is not the deepest here. He's definitely more of a character actor. I've not seen Animal Kingdom. Have you seen that? I yeah, I don't even know what that is to be honest. <laughs> yeah. So and honestly, like he hasn't been in a ton of others, so I'm not like, how is this not on the list? How is that not on the list? But he's kind of just really good in a lot of little stuff, I feel like. So Ben Mendelsohn is crazy underrated. I think uh, Loki, he's one of my favorite kind of just, uh, you know, character actors working today. Yeah, there are a couple movies um, in his like list that I are like, oh, yeah, he is in that in a small character type role. But I wouldn't necessarily say maybe they should pop into his four because it's probably just not big enough. Um, knowing, I think I mentioned that I watched that a couple weeks about, uh, it's the Nicolas yeah. Cage movie. It's got Rose Byrne. He's like Nicolas Cage's colleague. Who's kind of like, yeah, the world's ending. Oh, whatever, man. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't believe you. I don't buy it. And then he's like, oh shit, the world's ending. And then killing them softly. I don't even really remember what he does in that, but you know, it's like a iffy Brad Pitt movie. The King. What about that? Well, he's that's what that. I... I wanted to mention he's in The King, which I did see is directed by David Mashad, who directed Animal Kingdom. So there's a little bit of a connection there, um, at least about what's going on there. Uh, This movie that is his top one, on top of Secret Invasion, his most recent release, The Marsh King's Daughter. Do you know anything about this? This is an absolute nothing movie. It's a Daisy Ridley picture, Cody, that released last weekend, this past weekend. I've seen it in theaters. receives like no marketing nobody went to see it i mean it's box office is under a million dollars um it's crazy huh. i didn't even know daisy really was uh in anything recently yeah i've never heard of that eight hundred and fifty thousand after premiering in 1000 theaters do the math on that one cody <laughs> honestly though if you if you pitched me a movie starring daisy ridley and ben Mendelssohn, i'm probably on board honestly but um yeah that doesn't look that good R-rated The Marsh King's Daughter from the producer of The Revenant. That's the title on the poster. Um, it kind of sounds interesting to me. So I'm gonna put I might put out that on my list, but uh yeah, I'll, I think I'll stay with everybody else with with not seeing that in theaters, unfortunately. You can probably uh book an empty theater out and, and go check it out. Yeah. Jude Law, his four, the talented Mr. Ripley, closer, the Grand Budapest Hotel, Sky Captain. And the world, what the fuck is this? What is this? Sky Captain, <laughs> the Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Sorry, I had to read the full title. I keep that. That, that, that was my direct it. reaction as well. You <laughs> um, law, Cody. Uh, I know you have not seen the talented Mr. Ripley, but what about the? Uh, I guess the other two, Closer in the Grand Budapest. I know you're a, you're a Wes Anderson head. Yeah, I do like the Grand Budapest Hotel a good a uh, good deal, and he he has like. A, a pretty small role in that i mean all things considered he, i think i believe he's just the guy interviewing old tony revelori who doesn't look like tony revelori um and that's all he does really so i don't know you know he, he's good in that but it's a wes anderson movie like there's 50 people in the cast and he doesn't stand out um i haven't seen closer either um 
I feel like Jude Law is kind of in that same realm too, where he does a lot of supporting roles. Like he's not really the main man in a ton of stuff. I would guess in this Sky Captain movie, maybe this is like his his leading role that they gave him a chance on or something. But yeah, the talented Mr. Ripley is, is one I think um, from your recommendation I should check out. But is he good in that? Do you like uh, his, his role in that? He, uh, you know, he's kind of playing against Matt Damon and his his whole thing is to just kind of be like extremely charismatic, extremely hot, which I think is something that when like that is his singular goal, he's very great at. This movie is like he's trying to be both a bad guy and like kind of charming and it's just it does not work because he's neither um and in the early 2000s he had a lot more leading performances in movies like cold mountain which i watched uh, in my high school english class because we read the book <laughs> um and you know he appears in the aviator as errol flynn you know icon of hollywood you know early night yeah that's the, his thing he's he's a pretty face he's got sharp blue eyes i think he's decent in contagion uh although again that nobody really has a huge role in that movie. Um, there's not, I, I like the movie Side Effects. He's fine in that. It's basically, again, a, another movie that we might do on the podcast. I feel like Talented Mr. Ripley Side Effects are two that uh, we might just keep the Jude Law train rolling here in the future. But I don't think there's anything, again, that I think would uh, pop into the four other than everybody loves Dumbledore, dude. Let's get it in there. The crimes of uh, Grindelwald or whatever. The secrets of Dumbledore. Let's throw that in there. <laughs> yeah. Sky Captain, get that shit out of here. Yeah, I don't know why that's in. I agree. I think um, easy replacement. Fuck you. Gwyneth Paltrow, <laughs> fuck you. Uh, Body Rabisi, fuck you. I think an easy replacement would be the aviator. So I like his role in that, even though it is small. And then, I mean, the big thing that stands out to me I feel like Sherlock Holmes should 100% be on this list. Um, yeah, so I was pretty surprised at least one of those wasn't on there because I like the first one a good deal. Uh, Corbin, have you seen uh, The Rise of the Guardians? Have you seen that movie? Uh, is that the Zack Snyder film? No, I don't believe so. It's an anime. Oh, that's <laughs> no. the Owls of Google. The Owls of Google. I was actually a Ramsey. No, uh, I haven't seen this. Tell me about it. I actually like it a lot. Um you know, I haven't seen this for a little bit, but uh, as a kid, I, I did enjoy this flick. It's basically just about like, it's kind of like the Santa Claus, if you've seen those movies, where it's like all these, uh, you know, fake, uh, you know, figures. But in this one, it's kind of like a superhero story. And I believe Jude Law plays the bad guy. And he actually does some damage in this movie, too. But um, underrated film, if you haven't, uh, around Christmas time, if uh, you got some, some little ones around, I'd recommend uh, Rise of the Guardians. I think it's a good uh kids flick but yeah i mean really anything to replace uh sky captain um i think would be a logical decision here from imdb but yeah insane title for a film i'll, I'll just say that uh <laughs> let's go to the good the bad and the ugly actually i have a, a decent amount for both the good and the bad here First off, with the good, I kind of just wanted to shout out some smaller actors who I like a lot in this movie. And we've we've mentioned a couple of them already. Ben Mendelsohn's awesome. Um, I'll keep saying that the entire episode. Like I said, I think his uh, dramatic... He acting... knows what movie he's in as well. He's having fun. He's doing the accent. He gets to kind of play a couple or two different roles, kind of. He's, he's really playing up the villain, I think, well. And that's why I'm kind of even more disappointed they went in a different direction with it. Uh, but past him, I already mentioned as well, Jamin Hansu. Uh, nobody can pronounce his name. 
but he's awesome dude um i want to see him in every mc movie the problem is with this one i don't know if the timeline really lines up that well um because this movie takes place in the 90s sometime Corbin, right? he's an alien (laughs) and then we see him in guardians of the galaxy one what is that like 25 years later almost ages differently (laughs) and he looks exactly the same so i don't know that that's whatever pretty sketchy but i was happy to see him again and then the last person in their crew i want to talk about too dude Gemma chance in this movie (laughs) that is so random um and i think it's the first time in the mcu where um an actress or an actor was recast again and it wasn't really talked about like oh they were in this movie or they were in that movie before obviously the great film eternals um if you guys haven't seen that she's she is pretty much the lead in so I recommend that, but I wanted to ask Cody. This was going to be in my ugly, but like, is Jim and Chan the secret curse of the Eternals and Captain Marvel in terms of critical reception? Um, you could look at it as that. I think that's that's a viable option. I personally like Jim and Chan a lot, and I think she's really underutilized in, in a lot of movies. Again, I'll talk about a Gareth Edwards one later where that's also true, but give her something to do here. I mean, she's pretty much just the sniper the entire time, I guess, which is fun, but. I think she's a really good actress and especially in a comic book film like this, I would have loved to see her kind of give more of a prevalent role. So I was kind of disappointed with that, but it was still good seeing her. I think I want to continue on with some people. I think Monica Rambeau and just like that movie that exists there in the middle when Carol Danvers and uh, Monica Rambeau get to like interact and we see their relationship. Like that's the stuff that really works for me. And I think Lashana Lynch is great. She's great in The Woman King. And I wish there's just more of that. And that's what this movie was more of rather than being like, oh, it's like kind of a weird memory thing of she's like there and then she's got a different life and then she gets back to it. And then we get a big flashback of Jude Law being bad in the middle. It's just like so disjointed and jumbled all over the place. And it's like, it'd be okay if it was like, hey, here's, I mean, I don't need the propaganda, but like, here's, Carol Danvers in the Air Force and she's going to have this accident happen to her. I get again, it's like, oh, we don't want to see the same superhero origin story over and over again. But like we hadn't seen it from a character like Carol Danvers or an actress like Brie Larson. Um, And I just feel like we get too in the weeds of trying to overcomplicate things. And it's unfortunate. But Monica Rambeau and Carol Danvers together are fantastic. I agree completely. Honestly, that is probably my favorite uh, part of the movie like i was saying um just that they legitimately had like uh, a really good family dynamic with that trio and we didn't really get to see that at all which really sucks i agree i think if you flip the script almost entirely of the first hour show us that show us their character development because them just throwing us into like i said this memory loss story we don't know anything about carol denver we don't care about her at all and she doesn't even know who she is so why would we care um yeah, I agree. Um, but kind of going along with that too. Another thing I really like about this movie is just like the visual style of uh, Captain Marvel. Like, there's a co- there's a few cool action scenes. The first one where it's kind of like a punch them up with the with the scrolls, where she's got like the brass boxing gloves on. I think that's fun. Like she's just running around and knocking a bunch of scrolls in the head with uh, some metal hands. So that's not bad. And then when she gets to her prime form, I think visually that's super cool. Kind of like the glow effect that they have when she rises up. And then, I mean, of course, the end, the massive space battle. I think that's pretty cool. Um, Unfortunately, like they did show everything in the trailers. So, you know, 
that wasn't the first time I saw it watching it in the theater, unfortunately, but it's still cool regardless. And I wanted to ask you, what are your thoughts on um, on punching grandmas in the face? Because I had it in the good category here. <laughs> I feel like it can go a couple different ways. Hey, uh, if you are sure that that grandma is a shape-shifting alien from outer space, I think you have full liberty to, to soccer one in the face. However, uh, you better apologize if, you, if she really is a grandma, because <laughs> then you're going to have some problems. Um, I want to admit or not what I mean, I wanted to comment on the fact that, you know, the people of the train really stood up. They didn't let the bystander effect take, you know, take form. They, they stepped in and said, do not beat up this old woman. Um, I think they maybe should have known when she wasn't bleeding and she like got up and ran away. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. Something was wrong with her, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm pro, I guess is the short answer. Yeah. And a rewatch of that scene too. I did. There's like a little detail, obviously of like that actual grandma, too yeah yeah like getting off the, uh, the train which i didn't notice the first time so i like that too because when i was watching the movie the first time i was like oh she actually just punched a grandma <laughs> What's going on? but that's a cool little uh moment they had for that past that too kind of going along with what you were saying a little bit i like the monica rambo kind of backdoor backstory in a sense so talking about the little girl in this movie when i watched it the first time I didn't even kind of get the impression that this little girl was going to continue in the MCU saga, which I kind of like a lot because I feel like nowadays they just throw in little kids everywhere and you're like, okay, like they're going to be coming on for sequels and all this crap. But this one, it's, it's low key. It's like, it's really building the relationship between Monica Rambeau and Carol Danvers as like sort of this aunt's, you know, niece relationship. But that was cool. And I think in the sequel, that's one of the things I'm actually most excited to see because Obviously, Monica Rambeau's gotten a lot um, older, you know, since this movie. And we've so seen her character, but we haven't gotten to see the interactions with also, uh, Brie Larson at this point. Yeah, and I hope she's they Wanda. have good chemistry, her and Tiana Paris. Yeah, uh, fingers crossed. Uh, Brie Larson, I don't know if she's the best actress. Uh, spoiler alert for the next category. But um, I'm excited about that. And she's awesome in WandaVision. I thought she was really good at just from an acting standpoint in WandaVision. Um, so I'm excited to see her in the next movie, too. Listen, I love Catherine Hahn, but I feel like the real standout for me of WandaVision was like, was her, was, was Monica, um, Maria Rambeau. Yeah, my son, right? Is it Monica Rambeau? Yeah, I want to say, I said Monica earlier, but I'm pretty sure Maria is her mom, right? Monica is the one. I think that's right. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Maria Rambo. Also, of course, we haven't it's, even mentioned, notably appearing in the great film Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, is in this movie. Monica is the younger. Uh, apologies for those uh, mix up earlier. Yeah. And Lashana Lynch, again, just unbelievably wasted in um, Multiverse of Madness, unfortunately. Um, we might have to do that movie eventually because I cannot stand that movie at all. I don't know if I'll ever watch it again in my life, I'm being honest. Um, that's that. A couple other small things here too. I forgot when I was mentioning a lot of my favorite actors here. Dude, Robbie from New Girls in this. <laughs> he's in one tiny scene where he's just uh, the autopsy doctor. But I thought that was a ton of fun. I also wrote that down in my notes as well <laughs> that Robbie pops up. We need more Robbie in the MCU. Keep keep him coming. He better be in the sequel. Or I'm, or I'm gonna be a little angry. And then well, you know, it's interesting. It's like uh, in many mcu projects because of the uh, russo brother connections there's a lot of community actors that appear so hell we get the new girl actor we started with robbie let's get let's see that more of that in the mcu let me see the uh the schmidt cameo the cc cameo 
true. Just bring me the whole new girl uh universe and and I'm done. Give me a, a bear claw uh cameo too. Uh, Josh Gad. He can, he, can, he can make an appearance. I think we can make it happen. Um and then the last thing I hand her too, it goes hand in hand with your background. I really like the flurkin. Um I think we're both a little bit of a sucker for for cute cats. And we got an orange tabby here, just uh, given the full the full green eyes. So I'm completely on board with with everything flirting in this. This movie. is a pro. This is a pro goose podcast for sure. Yeah, shout out goose. That is also a great name for a cat. Um, just objectively, I think. Um, Cody. So the original, the cat of Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, as a character uh, in the comic books. Do you know what they were named? Uh, I don't. It remember. is a diff. It is named after a creature from a different 80s, 70s, 80s franchise um, that is actually almost surprising that Marvel wouldn't jump at the opportunity to do a little yeah. cross-promotion. That must be something Disney. I don't know. You're going to have to tell me. I, I don't remember. Chewy is the name of the, oh, uh, the cat. And um, they went with a Top Gun reference instead. I don't know. Maybe it's just because they love the military. It's <laughs> because Sam Jackson's in Star Wars too. We're <laughs> like, that's too weird. Although they did a, a reference to Star Wars and um, the Winter Soldier too. They also um, referenced Superman in the movie Eternals. So I think all bets are off. <laughs> I guess that's fair. But uh, I do like Goose better than Chewie. What do you think? I, I don't know. That's tough. I think one. it makes more sense. I mean, I. I like Star Wars, but I just don't think Chewie's a good name for, for this particular cat. It just doesn't fit their personality. Yeah. And her being a pilot, you know, Top Gun and everything, I guess that makes sense too. But yeah, the Flurkin's awesome. The Flurkin's awesome. Yeah, Rip Goose. That's it. Uh, go check out our Top Gun episode. That that shattered me. Uh, <laughs> most unexpected death in movie history. But the Flurkin's awesome. I like the jump scare at the beginning of like, oh, this isn't a cat. And then Sam Jackson, him playing it up like the first half hour too of like, Oh, you're scared of this cat, like your little baby Talos, and then it's obviously revealed that uh, you know we're dealing with a monster here. So yeah. I think, he's, yeah, rightfully so scared. I did want to mention that the post-credit scenes of this movie, I actually like them both. Uh, the first one getting like a direct call, you know, move into Endgame. It's what the people wanted, right? The movie comes out in two months. Just give us a little bit of taste of Endgame. And then the second one, Goose, chilling, spitting up the Tesseract, <laughs> vibing. I love a cat on its screen. <laughs> just yakking. Um, yeah, the second one's, you know, whatever. But <laughs> They're not top tier, but what do you do? I don't know. Yeah, the first one's good. I agree. I think that's exactly what kind of the MCU audience was looking for, in a sense, was some sort of segue into Endgame. And I think they did that, you know, fairly well. But, and yeah, I think it's good as well to have like a couple in credit scenes and just one of them you have fun. So I don't hate it. The final thing I will say in the good category here, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, what a guy. And, you know, maybe this isn't like top tier stuff from him by any means, but at any point when Sam Jackson is your number two, your second lead in your film, I think you're going to be winning a little bit. Uh, Nick Fury is a fun character. This is obviously like supposed to be a very young and early iteration of them. And that will lead into my bad here shortly, <laughs> getting into some of the de-aging stuff. But Sam Jackson, he's incredible. I love him. Uh, I just recently watched Pulp Fiction again. Um, and yeah, I'm glad that he like, this is like his most center stage role in any Marvel movie or project prior to, I guess, Secret Invasion. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say it too. I mean, just his kind of prevalence in this movie is something we don't see that often in the MCU. 
And I agree. I mean, it's Sam Jackson. He's so charismatic. He's so good in this character. He could do it a million times and he will do it a million times for a reason. But I agree. Even with the de-aging effect, um, that didn't affect kind of my outlook on his performance too much at all. I don't think. I think he was really good in this. Let's over to the bad. Um, the first thing I wanted to ask you about, Cody, what do you think about like the 90s setting as a whole? Do you think that works and fits? I don't know. I, I don't love, especially when we're in the modern age for this entire universe and then there's a movie. 90s movie. <laughs> yeah, like 20 movies in. It's like, oh, let's go back to this. Because I feel like you're just retconning a lot, especially with like uh, a character with Nick Fury that we've been through a lot with, kind of going back and, you know, finding certain things out about his origin, uh, namely the eye scratch, uh, which I, <laughs> uh, yeah, really really dislike obviously i don't know if anybody really likes that but yeah i don't know like the setting of a 90s movie in theory that sounds awesome like i like the 90s but i just don't know if it makes sense for for kind of this story there needs to be uh and maybe there has been some research or some writing done on the way that like the 1980s in movie culture and tv culture whether it be because of stranger things or not um was so prevalent from you know the mid 2010s to even now and it's still like hasn't really felt like too old or like people still continue to go back to it and they appreciate it but like the 90s haven't had that same revolution or like reintroduction yeah. into the movie culture to me at least and there have been examples like this movie and like you know transformers rise of the beast that came out earlier this year that are like trying to be dipped into like the 90s era but like I'm sorry, you can play as fucking Nirvana all you want. It's just not as effective as, you know, a little running up the hill, man. <laughs> I agree. The 80s nostalgia uh, media is a hundred times better than the 90s nostalgia media. Big 80s is fucking, the machine is working against Captain Marvel. I think they don't want it. <laughs> yeah. And you talk about Nirvana. One of the things I want to touch off the bat, it's kind of just a weird soundtrack overall. Of course, the standout is um, I'm Just a Girl, which got a lot of hate. I think that's a bit of overhated. I think it's fun. I think that scene is fun, too. But they also throw that in... That scene like... is an example of what I was talking about earlier, where it's like the Priestvis thing, where it's like yeah. Marvel had a fight planned. They shot it entirely themselves with their team. They VFXed it, whatever. And then they slapped a song on it and then like kind of cut to it. It's not in the way where it's like a scene choreographed to that song to fit and like emotively and the action like you know we've seen some impressive fight choreographies um obviously the hallway fight in guardians earlier this year i think is probably the quickest one we can you know point to um that was annoyingly set to a beastie boys song shout out to the beastie boys for selling out i'm pretty sure there's a marvel's uh trailer that also has a beastie boys song in it um but like there's two different spec like you can either like we're gonna shoot the fight scene slap some like song that obviously is gonna be easy pickings for people to make fun of i'm just a girl on top of it and do something half-assed or you can you know try and really put in the effort and, and create something that's unique and special and obviously Bowden and fleck just like didn't even have the opportunity to do that yeah and again too it, I, I just feel bad for brie larson because that's one of the coolest action scenes that she has and that's the only thing people like talk about it's the that. realization of her powers it's like this is Hey, this is why she's so strong. Like, just wait till end game. She's gonna kick yeah. Thanos' ass. That action scene I do like a lot, but also too that uh, <laughs> Beastie Boys scene in Guardians Three, probably one of my favorites of the year. So no slander there. But 
the soundtrack in general, like I was saying, other than I'm just a girl, like you said, they have a little bit of a Nirvana in there for a second. You got a little bit of chasing waterfalls in there for a second. You even got Sam Jackson singing Mr. Postman at the end. Kind of just all over the place. And like you're saying, kind of with the 90s nostalgia, I feel like that's specifically what they were going for there. But I, I feel like for me, it, it just doesn't work at all. This movie's got the, the classic post-Joss Whedon quippiness. And it's, again, it's like recycled after 20 movies. We It's just as bad in 2012's Avengers or in Age of Ultron. And it's just as bad in 2019's Captain Marvel. I think I can comment and say across the board, the humor, when it's like you got, you're surrounded by five villains and you're going to be like, oh, how do I get out of these things, guys? Any help? And then you're going to fight it. Like, it's just, it's it's bad. I, maybe I at one point in my life I loved it and I laughed at it, but now I just think it's kind of really corny and uh, not very funny <laughs> and just like yeah. dumb. Like, why are we doing this in our fight scenes? I agree. It's just such an MCUism at this point too, where they like do it in every single movie, just like reusing the same joke. Just old. They got to get rid of it eventually, but I I don't know if they honestly will. It's pretty sad. Can we talk about Jude Law, Cody? <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> That's the next thing on my list. I mean, come on, dude. What is his character? I don't know his name. I will literally give anybody listening to this podcast $100 if right now, you can call or text me right now if you're listening to this and tell me what his character's name is because I don't think anybody in the world can do it. Just unbelievably. I'm sitting, I'm thinking, I'm trying. Like, I got nothing. <laughs> I, I, You know, it's like, you know, it's two words or like two. Right, something L. Like type yeah. In something. yeah. Uh, it's like Jan Rog. I think that's what it is. Um, I think that's actually true as well. But I mean, he's just unbelievably um, forgettable in this movie. He does nothing. He's like, oh, the surprise bad guy. But he's not scary. He's no threat at all to Carol Danvers. He's kind of like her uh, teacher, in a sense, at the beginning of the movie, when we don't know what, what's going on. Then it's like, oh, this guy's a warmonger. He's a bad guy. And then they finally have a showdown, which I was kind of excited to see. And she just decks him in the face once and it's over. So it's kind of like, I don't really understand the point. Also, at the beginning, they have that terrible, terrible sparring scene, um, which should have been left on the cutting room floor, I think, 100%. Uh, it, it really looks like the worst seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, and it's ironic as well, because Coulson's in this. Also, he's wasted too, big surprise. But... Yeah, everything with him just makes me want to gouge my eyes out of him, to be honest. His suit is goofy. He's kind of creepy and weird, which oh, I yeah. guess, you know, if he's the villain, it makes sense. But early on, just not believable. Uh, he shared his blood with her, so there's like this weird thing there. Uh, All the supreme intelligence stuff on top of him as like the greater overarching villain is also bad. Uh, we haven't mentioned Annette Bening, uh, classic Hollywood actress, uh, star of 2023's Nyad, is... Uh, Marvel in this movie as well as the uh, supreme intelligence to Carol Danvers um, I just think the the Cree as a whole are just really poorly executed and bad in this movie um, they're not great in fucking Guardians of the Galaxy either Ronan is not any top-notch uh, character but uh, it, it's poor in this movie I wish they would have just gone a completely different direction yeah you're taking the words out of my mouth again man. again also why is Lee Pace in this movie who knows? But he's there for two minutes. And then the Supreme Intelligence, again, is, is where I have a lot of beef here. So dumb. So dumb. <laughs> they they go their completely own direction from the comics here, obviously, too, with like changing the Marvel character to 
this like AI, um, you know, you see who you want to see in a sense. Um, and also they make it like her old pilot like uh, teacher, which I th- I don't think she knew that well. I think they just like kind of sprung this mission on them at the last minute. But the Marvel character, it should just be Jude Law's character in theory here. Like he should be the one if he is the big bad, which I don't know if he's supposed to be in this. I don't know who's supposed to be the big bad, if I'm being honest. But I don't think it makes any sense to make it an artificial intelligence who looks like somebody who they're not. I think that makes no sense on any sort of scope. Yeah. Yeah, it's just really dumb. And there's also no like payoff for it at the end. Like then there's no like solving the problem. Obviously, we get the like ronin uh resolution in guardians 20 years later and in that timeline i guess whatever he's been jerking off for and doing uh who knows not killing the scrolls um but there's no resolution to the supreme intelligence like what happens why is annette benning's character in that position because it leads to nothing and that kind of goes into something else i want to talk about too i wish we saw uh, carol danvers actually be a good pilot like is she a good pilot? I don't know. We see her do one thing and she's in one dogfight and she loses the dogfight. Well, so... it's, you know, advanced machinery, Creed, you know, <laughs> dude lost shooting her down. Yeah, Not she's fighting pilot. aliens, to be fair. But I mean, like I'm saying, like, give us more Carol Danvers being a badass, being cool with that family dynamic. I feel like if we had that in the first like 10, 15 minutes versus this dumb, like you said, because well, the dogfight we get out. is is uh Maria Rambeau. She gets her moment, but Carol Danvers doesn't. True. So I guess she's not a good pilot, but I guess we'll never know. <laughs> I do have a few more plot things, so I'll just keep it going along here because I have kind of an extended list. Um, why, why is the test racked in this movie, dude? I mean, at this point, it's like the 10th MCU film that we've seen it in. <laughs> Come up with anything else. Like, you have six Infinity Stones, and you keep using this stupid blue one over The simplest over. answer is to show how powerful she is, that she can juggle the test racked. Yeah. I guess that's kind of cool. So fair enough. I like that scene, but yeah, I agree. Look, give us a different Infinity Stone. I mean, it's the easiest. It's the one that was on Earth that people, you know, know where it's at. They can fuck around with it. And it's blue. It's a blue cube. Everybody loves blue. (laughs) Light speed travel. (laughs) I'm actually confused about how she got it. How did Marvel get it? I don't. What's the from? Yeah, and there's extended like YouTube videos online of like the. Oh well, there definitely is. The moving of the Tesseract around in the MCU, because literally every decade, it seems, it's like on a new planet. It's with a completely different person. So it's pretty all over the place, I think. Hey, we know where it was in 1940s. We can go back to Camp Lehigh or whatever the fuck and, and steal it. Um, <laughs> True. I hate just like the, the way the this movie kind of like at the end and you already mentioned the scratch from goose but it throws like three things right at you in the final like five minutes of the movie of like hey guess what don't like that's what the post credit scene's for you can use that but don't make the final scene of the movie like uh we're gonna throw hey did you know the avengers name came from the plane the event like avenger the nickname for carol Danvers, and did you know that here's the pager that's being sent to sam jackson to use in the post credit scene from infinity war and did you know that his eye patch is from a scratch from goose that they were friends for the entire movie and then suddenly he decides to scratch him it's stupid i'd be fine with the scratch thing if it happens at like the middle point of the movie or something i think it's more yeah. effective that way i agree if it's like at the reveal of like 
Goose is is not a cat. That would have been cooler. Not just at the end. Oh, I'm gonna scratch. Like he's still in his cat form when he scratches him too. So it doesn't really make sense. And they were homies. Why is he scratching them? <laughs> we're boys. Like they're big time boys. Um, but you mentioned my other massive thing that really pisses me off about this movie, the Avenger thing. Like, why didn't they? Why didn't they just give us like a cool Top Gun movie? That would have been awesome, dude. Like, just give us a Top Gun movie. Sure, her nickname could be the Avenger. I don't care. But at least tell us why. Like that makes no sense at all to me. And then a couple last things too. Uh, the canyon scene with Monica Rambeau, um, kind of the pilot seat. Uh, on a rewatch here, I thought I was watching uh, Captain America, uh, excuse me, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or Captain America and the Winter Soldier, I guess, both. But I didn't realize that was kind of a copy and paste uh, kind of spectacle in a canyon there. So I thought that was interesting. And then lastly, um, kind of an overall story beat here, but I could be wrong here, Corbin. Do they actually call Carol Danvers uh, Captain Marvel? At any point in this movie? Well, the whole bit at the end, she's like, oh, Marvel. And he's like, Marvel, huh? <laughs> like Sam Jackson doesn't get it. And but no, there is no there is no I'm Captain Marvel moment. There is no I am right. Iron Man scene. It's not a yeah. black so summer I, song, unfortunately. I don't really understand why that's the title of the movie if if that's not what any anybody calls her, but you know, fair enough. You you guys do you, I guess. Great writer's room here. Uh, I wanna go we should have done the IMDB for the writer's room. So I just would have slandered them all day and night, but yeah, brutal stuff here. I, I really don't know kind of what they were thinking throughout the script, but fair enough. This is a script that has uh, three names on it and then another six for the story <laughs> and not another six, another three, I guess, six total. And, you know, I imagine that there are versions uh, from when this movie was announced in 2013 to its release in 2019. There are countless versions of the story and the script and it it was pressed through the machine like i've said countless times and uh it wasn't the rick and morty writers that got to it like quantum mania but it was you know the inside out writers i think or something you know um ugly cody let's get into that i'll start i mean the, the obvious thing is just like the the general overall hate towards brie larson i think that stuff is, ju is just over the top and excessive um and then you know again jimmy chan two bad marvel movies get, get get her better marvel movie roles if she's gonna be in them come on someone help her out um terrible stuff from there uh the suit changing scene uh just again this marvel uh marvel falling into the american uh industrial complex uh military propaganda machine um i get it the, they used planes and shit from our military so it has to be kind of favorable but come on why why is she red white and blue it doesn't make any damn sense i like monica rainbow but come on kid stop making her stop making her propaganda do you prefer like the the glow stick suit i like that that was pretty cool she kind of reminded me of like uh little dia de los muertos uh you know old school stuff see her glowing in the dark coco style yeah, I agree. I mean, especially if we got like more of a Top Gun movie too. Oh, that would have been crazy, kind of uh, you know, government propaganda. Well, again, again, it's like it she doesn't really remember her life still. Like if she was a pilot and she was in the military, then the red, white, and blue thing like makes sense. But like that's not she seems so disconnected from that person. Yeah. She's like, Oh, I guess we're we're on the same side as those guys. We're on the same team now. <laughs> yeah, pretty superheroes in, in America. Yeah, pretty dumb. I agree. I have a couple of little things. Uh, my big thing off the top, too, was <laughs> the 
overall hate of this movie for no reason. Also, I have to stop too. Like, I did kind of just go pretty hard on on the writers' room there, but I still like this movie like a decent amount. Like, the rating's not going to be like Chicken Little Low here. Like, there it's are definitely fine. a lot. Of- this movie's okay. There's redeemable factors. Like, the cast is good, and that's pretty much it. But the action's okay too. The action's a decent. But ugly wise, kind of the main thing that irks me about this movie, and I could just this could just be me, but I don't really love the plot line of like don't don't let women like use their emotions um and that's kind of just something jude law says to her a few times like oh you lost because you you let your emotions through don't let that happen again and i feel like that's just like an overlying theme that i see in in a lot of movies like this and i feel like it's kind of just disrespectful to women in a sense just because obviously that's you know a stereotype or whatever women everybody has emotions guys jude law you have emotions even though you suck um so stop saying that over and over so i feel like every yeah, time he's I- a bad guy i mean in, in the final moments i guess like that's she's able to become one with her powers and like understand how to both you know be in tap with who she is as a person but yeah. also you know control her it's, immense- it's an important concept for everyone's life you know tapping into your emotions and finding that medium balance but i feel like it's just sh- such a drawn out arc for women in like action or superhero stories that I just don't find it relevant or necessary at all, really. So that that was kind of the massive thing that that kind of irks me. Past that, I mean, like killing aliens without knowing kind of the overall scope of who's the good guys and the bad guys, not great. You know, uh, Carol Danvers is definitely a war criminal, so that's not great. Um, and then lastly, just leaving Coulson out of the entirety of the movie, like that's just embarrassing. What's going on here? I mean, this guy's one of the coolest uh, characters in the entire universe, so I'm not sure what that's about. Well, uh, maybe we can tease that we've been hoping to to put together a little Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. first Friday 5, but scheduling has has failed us. So I've been up on the Agent Coulson stuff recently, and I not to spoil that conversation, but a big complaint of that show and people who watch it is that, you know, the character of Coulson is different in that than he is in the Avengers movies. You know, he's kind of an everyman. He's kind of the goofy guy. Everything's kind of surprising him. And this gives him a chance to kind of return to that because all this shit is new to them. But unfortunately, he really is not in the movie at all. I will say his de-aging looks much scarier than Samuel L. Jackson's just by the nature of Samuel L. Jackson aging like fine wine and Coulson not as, not as especially, but the the uh, the disclusion of him is is interesting. Um, it's kind of just feels again like a fan service thing to have him there, but not really. Like what's he off doing? I don't know, not being yeah. fucking helpful. Like why not bring him along? <laughs> It's a character that is known in the universe and like an actor. I feel like he could probably do something. Yeah. Um, and also um, talking about your agent, I mean, your, your Coulson talk there. I think uh, there's just a lot of weird stuff that happens in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which we'll get into. Well, that maybe he isn't box. the same character for reasons, you know? He gets, like, he gets like killed off and reset like three times in that show alone. So th- there's a lot of weird stuff going on there. We'll get into that. Uh, stay tuned for that episode, but... You got any more ugly you want to get into? Um, well, you you talked about the uh, the war criminal nature of stuff, and you know yeah. whether it's like this movie or Star Wars, it's very clear uh, the stances that they're taking on uh, you know occupied forces and, and colonization. And I don't think that's an ugly thing about this movie because I think it's cool that it's actually part of the storyline, and I like that idea that the scrolls are actually the 
they're not, you know, these people that have been labeled as terrorists are not actually the terrorists. They're not actually terrible people. And maybe even if they have, they've had to stand up because of the oppression and the, you know, the extreme violence that they've experienced. Um, and those are things that today we can, you know, look into the news and see very prevalent. So I think it's, an, it's important that this movie um, has that in it. And I, I do think that's cool for, you know, a 2019 Marvel movie, even though it's kind of, you know, half-assed and not really touched on too much. Yeah. I agree. A good topic to at least kind of bring into the story like this. Uh, spoiler alert or two in, in Secret Invasion, they do end up becoming terrorists. So there you go. You have it both ways. <laughs> Let's take a quick break and we'll uh, be right back. And we're back. Invite, fight, night. Totally invite your personal friend Spider-Man. I want to fight you. Hans, Bobby, I'm your white knight. Let's start with invite. I want to invite, and maybe, I guess, maybe you might have some insight on whether this is a good idea or not. I want to invite Soren, who is Talos's wife, onto the podcast, purely because they were just fucking stuck on this this barge, this uh, lab for six years, just floating in space. Like, I, I want to know the stories. I imagine there was some real hard tragedies that these uh, essentially refugees had to go through. So I'd love to get her on the pod and, and really dive deep into know how they made it through in those struggling times yeah i think that's great pick honestly um it's even better after you watch secret invasion because they don't give any of that information in the slightest (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah i think there would be a ton of interesting stories of like you know they probably had to uh, do some creative you know ways for like food and some other kind of resources and stuff like that i mean you got to get bored we saw that one uh kid was like a pinball expert so like i don't that's just kind of a cool like um exclusive story of like you're just stuck here for six years you know what do you do to pass the time so i think that's a great pick um my pick i'm gonna go with uh shaman hansu's character i i don't even know his name if i'm being honest i don't really care it's shaman hansu but like we're saying he was in guardians as well and these two movies in a sense are kind of spanning like 20 to 30 years somewhere in that range so he's got to have a bunch of crazy stories. I mean, he's been working with Ronan this entire time. So he's probably been doing some pretty bad stuff. But I feel like just his perspective, we'd get a lot more kind of uh, a different angle, I guess, in a sense of the entire universe. And I think that'd be interesting. Yeah, I like that pick a lot. I mean, the guy has been uh, guarding Infinity Stones. He's he's all over the place. Oh, he's done it all. Yeah. Fight. Uh, I'm going to fight de-aging software, Cody. 2019 was a big year for it. Of course, notably our, our buddy Marty, Marty Scorsese broke it out for The Irishman in 2019. I don't think it's super effective in that film, um, even though it, listen, it's a, it's a well-made and well-crafted film, so I can accept the uh, uncanny valley nature of it. In this movie, uh, I'm not really going to give it a pass because the movie isn't as successful and uh, Clark Gregg is literal nightmare fuel. Yeah. And honestly, I think that is probably the main reason he's not utilized as much as he probably should be. Just because, like, they even try to put hair on his head too. And it's like, I don't know, man. Like, kind of looks dumb. But I agree. I think it's, um, it's kind of just like a hot, a hot new commodity at the time of, oh, we can, we can make old people young again. Nobody really cares. And it just looks dumb. Marvel had been doing it, you know, sparingly. You get your, uh, you know, 
old Starks or whatever, like Kurt, Michael Douglas, the age. But like, this was the first time we're like, we're going to do it for a full movie. And obviously like Disney has now um, passed it on to Lucasfilm as like, hey, you guys get to play with this. And uh, that might be uh, one of the worst things to ever happen to Star Wars. Yeah, I forgot about the Ant-Man opening, which I mean, that looks pretty bad, even though I like that movie a lot. Um, and I was going to say, I mean, Star Wars kind of ruined it for everybody, I guess, in a sense, specifically with Rogue One, too, with with Grand Moff. And then, of course, uh, the abomination of of recreating uh, Princess Leia, too. But, yeah, they, they kind of washed that down the drain of, of kind of a Hollywood trend, I feel like, which is kind of a good thing, maybe. So I don't hate it. But uh, my fight, I'm going after Nick Fury here um, for one specific scene. So it's that train chase sequence where he's just trying to keep up with this train. And dude, he's like just driving on the other side of the road for no reason. And he like creates a wreck in this guy. His, his, his driving skills are insane. <laughs> I like Sam Jackson. I, I mean, I was, uh, Nick Fury's a dick. Like, what is he doing? He's supposed to be protecting these people. And uh, he just created a massive pileup uh, just because he's trying to, you know, catch a train basically. So I think for that, he, he deserves to be in the fight category here definitely a, a valid version he's a menace on the fucking streets dude <laughs> yeah it's tough night cody uh we've talked about him goose the flurkin he, he's very deserving of a night um he he really kind of saves the day and i'm excited to see some uh, more cat stuff in the marvels that's listen uh there's some bad cgi cats in movies um, I'm thinking Argyle that's coming out in 2024 if you've seen those trailers but Goose is an effectively well acted creature and he is a star on the screen even if he is maybe a scab as well um, and then I'll give a little like secondary night to young little uh, Monica Rambeau because she's a fun little character nice I like those both a lot um, I think uh, there's I think there's some sort of like acting awards ceremony for like animal actors that definitely exists and um i would hope that uh this cat won an award back in 2019 but we're 100% on the same page here corbin i also want tonight the flurkin uh goose cat whatever you want to call him he's awesome in this movie echoing what you said too the posters for the sequel here with like a bunch of flurkins slash cats um is really cute and i'm excited to see even more flurkins slash cats on the loose here in the next film so that should be fun but also, I mean, this uh, Goose specifically bailed them out a ton of times in this movie, just taking out henchmen left and right with his tentacle arms, even was like a, a secret storage container for an infinity stone. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. So yeah, shout out Goose. I think an, a knight is almost automatic here. Thanos is lucky that he never uh, came up head to head <laughs> with Goose. I'll just say that. <laughs> why did why did uh, Brie Larson not take Goose with her? Like, come on, dude. You can use him in any situation. Rookie move. She wasn't prepared. The recast, Cody. Bond. James Bond. My name's Bond. James Bond. The name's Bond. James Bond. The name's Bond. James Bond. I got a couple fun picks for the recast this week. First off, I'm going completely obvious here. Like I said, I think Brie Larson is is okay. I, I don't love her in this movie by any means. How about we throw Emily Blunt in this movie? I think she might be one of my most popular recasts uh, in this category, but I think her in like a superhero action movie like this 
would be awesome. If you have not seen um, Edge of Tomorrow, I will use that specifically as a reference because that movie uh, with her specifically is awesome. But yeah, I, I, I think it was a, I, I think she'd be great. And I don't know if she'll get cast as Sue Storm, but I would be very happy to see that. I don't think so. Um, I have to imagine she was probably on the shortlist for this role, just given the timing and, and just general, you know. I don't know why she wouldn't have been, but I wouldn't be shocked if she wasn't. Yeah. Um, funny enough, though, I my pick for Jude Law is John Krasinski. His character should... Uh, oh. I, I think you need somebody who's a little bit younger, first of all, is similarly aged to Brie Larson. Jude Law's like 50 Brie Larson is what 30 something it's it's just kind of strange um and then also like you need somebody who's a little bit like he's charming he's good looking but also like he's a little bit more just like regular guy you know less little unassuming you know he's not being creepy and over the top like yeah. John Krasinski is a lovable character and I think it would not be very a better turn of, of evil at the end yeah I like that a lot and I think it's pretty much just kind of how you want to make the angle of the Jude Law character. But I think that's a good one. Um, like you said, non-threatening and then kind of more just like a friend role compared to the teacher. I have a couple ideas to replace Jude Law here. The first one, I went more of the teacher route. And then the second one, I went more of the friend route. For the teacher, I'm thinking uh, Willem Dafoe. Give me a crazy Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Maybe it's overplayed at this point in comic book movies, but I think just him going absolutely bananas, like in the third act of this movie, would be a ton of fun and um, at least something interesting for for Jude Law's character to do here. My more friend character uh, actor here, which is probably more realistic, I'm thinking Yaya Abdul Yatin, which of course, funny enough, worked obviously with Nia DaCosta, who's doing the sequel uh, in Candyman, which I did enjoy, and of course too, he's a uh, coming out in this new aquaman movie he looks pretty badass in that as well playing black manta so i think him um i think he'd be a good choice i kind of wanted to rewrite it so i kind of wanted to make him a good guy and make the scrolls the bad guy so kind of just throw yaya in and he can kind of team up with brie larson at the end i don't know i kind of just want to rewrite the movie obviously but i think he'd be a fun choice uh, regardless of the script yeah i guess it's tough they didn't even really have an option because the Kree are the bad guys of Guardians. So, like, I guess you have to step in this 616 continuity, like, or whatever the continuity of the MCU is, like, the Kree are yeah. bad. But I mean, like, just because, uh, <laughs> and this is like an ideological thing in my head, but like, you know, just because some people are bad, that doesn't mean the entirety of, of them are bad, you know? You can True. have that angle. It's not so black and white, I don't think. Annette Benning is strange in this movie, Cody. <laughs> I want to see her replaced, and I think you're going to appreciate this pick from uh, a movie we've done on the podcast in the past, T2. I'm going to take Linda Dave Hamilton, Dickinson. Linda Hamilton, to come in and play the, uh, basically, I mean, obviously, she's not really getting to do her, her main role of being the Top Gun instructor or, like, the, the Air Force pilot uh, scientist, but that is essentially who she's supposed to be playing. And I think Linda Hamilton pulled that off a lot more believably than Annette Binning. And then the Supreme Intelligence stuff kind of just comes on top of that. And maybe even the the weirdness or the juxtaposition of that works because it's more about the idea of like, it's the person you see, not actually who's there talking to you. So I don't know. I think uh, Annette Binning was just like, oh, let's get a big name, you know, who, who people um, 
who's who's critically celebrated that we can kind of give a big paycheck to and, and play some dumb role in this movie. Yeah. I like that a lot. I'm a big Linda Hamilton guy. Funny enough, that may uh, come up a little bit later. I'll mention her, but yeah, I like that pick a lot. Uh, did you have another recaster? Was that everything? That was all I had. I, I was pretty uh, locked in on getting rid of Jude Law here, I think. Yeah. <laughs> the, the double Jude Law recast. Yeah. I mean, what is what is the combination uh, between those two people? I'm not sure. Find the <laughs> ground between what? Defoe and, and Yaya. <laughs> There's some sort of connection, but... Uh... We might, have, we might have to wait for the uh, the third movie here to find out. Yeah. Uh, Cody, the rating. Do you like me? Out of 69, I know you said it wasn't as low as Chicken Little, but how low will you go? I don't know if anything will, will ever be as low as Chicken Little, unfortunately. I don't know. This is a tough one. This is a real tough one for me because it's kind of just in the dead middle of my overall rating system. And I am more top heavy, so I don't have a ton of stuff in the middle. I'm just going to throw a dart and see where it lands here. I'm going to go with 33 out of 69. I didn't look in, in my 30 range of movies here, but I think it's kind of obviously just dead in the middle of like, I don't love this movie, but I definitely don't like this movie. Um, but I don't hate it to the extent, obviously, that, that some of the internet does here. A lot of bad stuff, but definitely some redeeming uh, you know factors here. So I'll go with 33. Uh, I'm trying to see, comparing that, uh, puts it better than Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, is real real steel for you, Cody? Uh, both yeah. below. I mean, that's a hundred percent facts. Those Ender's are- Game at thirty nine, better movie than this one. Oh man, okay. Ender's wrong- Game, I give that a thirty nine. The wrong Missy, a thirty four, Cody. Now there you okay. you're in an interesting area. That's comparable, I think. I think that's fine, but yeah, the Ender's Game. I don't know what I was thinking. About that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how they got past like fifteen, but fair enough. Uh, I'm going to give this movie a 43 out of 69, which is a, a wow. number that I've given out a couple times in, in recent weeks um, to both it and two episodes ago, um, as well as uh, Ratatouille. So this is kind of right oh there in just like a three star range for me, where like, I think this movie's fine. The disrespect of Ratatouille is unbelievable. But... I think yeah, this movie's enough. worse than Ratatouille. I will say that. Fair enough. I'm surprised you got it. I I had it at two and a half stars. I I think you do like this movie a little better than me. Fair enough. I think it like honestly, if I were to take and I haven't logged three fourths of the MCU movies on Letterboxd, if I were to take all of them, I would say like seventy percent of them would just be three stars, and they would like all sit in the same area. To be entirely honest, yeah. Um, yeah, that's fair. Let's move on to you might also like. I imagine you were gonna mention a little uh, Terminator action here, Cody. Who knows? You might like it. It's a killer rush. <laughs> of course, I was. Uh, off the bat, I'll just skip to that one. But if you want to actually see like a really cool female perspective, like action flick, we've done a couple episodes um, recently. We did Mad Max Fury Road, um, and on the, on a rewatch for that, Corbin. I effing love that movie. That is an unbelievable movie. You haven't seen that. That's a massive wreck for me. And along with that, of course, Linda Hamilton. Terminator 2, man. <laughs> I don't know how anybody can dislike that movie as well. Uh, Linda Hamilton is an unbelievable badass in that. So if you're looking for more of a stronger kind of female protagonist here, those would be a couple of, of uh, massive recommendations for me. Go listen to our episodes as well when you check out yeah. the movies. On episodes too. Yeah. Double promotion there. Um, for me, I'll take another Charlie's 
Theron Pitt and a little action movie, a little female representation here with The Old Guard. Go check that out on Netflix. Honestly, not too bad. Also, Gina Prince-Bythewood, um, director of The Woman King, director of uh, a couple of really good movies. So you can kind of dive deep into that filmography as well. Um, it would have been cool to see her maybe take on Captain Marvel or the Marvels, but uh, luckily for her, she's making better movies than that. And then, hey, Cody, if you want an MCU movie that connects to this one, go check out Endgame and Guardians of the Galaxy to the uh, continuation of the story. If you just you know want to know what happens next, both of those movies will fill in some gaps for you. <laughs> True, they won't do it that well. They'll, they'll fill in some. I had an MCU recommendation as well. Um, just go watch the first Iron Man. Like, I feel like, like, in a sense, those are very similar movies, but just Iron Man 1 is... It's probably tenfold better. So I definitely recommend that. And then lastly, yeah, I guess if you were a fan of the memory loss story, I don't know if anybody was, but go check out Memento. That's a great memory loss movie. And uh, again, does it 10 times better. So yeah, go watch that instead. If you want a bad memory loss movie, I'll give you a reminiscence. Uh, the like Christopher Nolan <laughs> <Johnny> ripoff. <Depp. laughs> no, not Johnny Depp, Hugh Jackman. Oh, Hugh Jackman. What's the Johnny Depp? Rebecca movie? Ferguson. Do you, uh, I, I don't know what the Johnny Depp one is. It's like he goes into um, like a computer and it's it's kind of similar. I actually, I heard a recommendation the other day that uh, that Hugh Jackman, Rebecca Ferguson movie was actually decent. So I might have to check it out. It's fine. Three-star movie it's as well. Um, Brie Larson, if you want to see her be a good actress, watch Short Term 12 and Room. Those are like two really powerful performances that show range in different directions they're not doing the same thing um and it's sad that we don't get to see those types of things out of her and, and we get you know this and whatever the fuck fast x is the final question all right listen i got one last question for you what is your final question for me one's a fun one this week um it's kind of a bit uh a bit strange but in theory here if right now at this current moment in 2023, if you could hit an opt out button on every single Marvel project upcoming, would you do that? And the caveat is here too, you can rewatch everything that they have released up to this point, but you kind of just eliminate any of your future time kind of wasting away watching these Marvel movies. But would you hit the opt out button? By doing this to like, I get to, like, I don't have to feel like I just get to pretend it didn't happen. Because the big thing, I mean, Basically, honestly, my idea is like that time that you would spend in the theater, you're just out watching other stuff instead. You're just not wasting your time in the theater watching MCU movies. If every time an MCU movie came out, there was like a special screening for me where it'd be like, hey, we're yeah. showing this classic film for Corbin instead, like, then sure. Exactly. Yeah. Um, which I, they do do that. It's called just fucking the theater industry. There's other movies. That's the wonderful thing about it. <laughs> Uh, the, the power of choice right capitalism yay um but the thing is much of my marvel connection at this point outside of the theatrical releases like with secret invasion or with loki like it's a little bit of a fomo thing it's like i don't want like i don't want other people to be talking like i don't want to be a part of something and it's much easier now to not be a part of it because it's less of the monoculture like i've mentioned and like less people care about it and it's not everybody committed to it and because of the desaturation of disney plus shows less people care however if i could like 100 be like no one will ever talk to you about it no one will ever mention it you will never like feel bad that you didn't watch the latest marvel movie then yeah i would like 
completely opt out and just be like, I will watch everything else. But because like, there's a part of me that wants to engage with other people about these things and talk to you about it, Cody. Um, I would not, you know, want to completely opt out of the Marvel world. That's the, that's the fun of it. It's the, you know, watching the, the breakdown. It's, it's talking to you. It's talking to Jackson and Carter. It's, you know, I don't want to miss out on that stuff. Fair enough. I think that's kind of the answer I was looking for in a sense. So I love that. But <laughs> The fear of FOMO, man, it gets to you. I love that. <laughs> Some real honesty hour for you, Cody. Um, if you could pick a different year in the course of the Marvel Cinematic Universe for this movie to come out and basically restructure kind of like the setting up of Endgame and Infinity, where would you slot this film in? You could, If you need to pull up like a, oh. an MCU, like where, on the release schedule, where would this better fit? Ooh, I like that a lot. So I think... I mean, I would just put it obviously before the Avengers movies, not not kind of in the middle. Let me think. Um, I mean, this was like the culmination of Phase Three, I believe. I would probably slot it. I mean, because in a sense, I feel like they are going in the first hour for more of like a Guardians tone. So maybe I would just slot this like directly after the first Guardians, because that was pretty close to. Um, I think the. I think volume two came out uh, pretty close before the, the two bigger Avengers movies. So I feel like putting it in between volume one and volume two, you have that kind of, um, you know, audience conceptualize of, okay, like. And expanded to space. Now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I think that they have more open mind with that. So I think that would be a good placement for it. I thought also too, you're asking which decade should they put this in other than the nineties. <laughs> now I was just going to say, uh, modern time <laughs> like a normal person but that's a good idea i mean i feel like again they just sandwiched it in between to try and maximize the box office profit which obviously worked uh, like magic but i think from a story perspective it, it doesn't make too much sense yeah especially if you're including ronan and lee pace like why not just yeah. bump it up with guardians as like a, sure. a connection to that Honestly, uh, with that, you just put it right before Guardians, I guess. I, then, that's what I was going to say. I think almost that makes more sense of like, yeah. let it be the lead in. If you are setting it still in the 90s or whatever. That'd be cool too. If they made like Lee Pace more of a, like the big bad here. And then you get him straight into the Guardians in the next movie too. Because he's such a lame villain in that movie um, as well. So if you had like an overlying two movie arc for kind of a, a weaker character, I think that'd be a fun thing to do. Yeah, and instead of, again, backdoor half-assing it like they did. Yeah. Uh, the three-movie mini-draft Cody Graham. Well, it is draft day. Hick and Brie Larson movies. She does actually have some pretty good ones. I've got a list of, of more than six movies I would be happy with. Um, I think I get the first pick, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> I believe so. I think it's your turn, yeah. Um, I'm going to take my favorite movie. I'm going to take Scott Pilgrim versus the World off the board. I, I think this yep. is like one of the best directed films of the 2010s. Edgar Wright has been a little hit or miss in the last few years with like Last Night in Soho and Baby Driver's okay. But um, I think Scott Pilgrim versus the World is an incredible uh, time capsule movie and the uh, the effects and the, the acting and, and everything's incredible about it. So I, I love it as a one-one here. Yeah, um, that was heavily on my radar. It's a definitely a good pick. I think too, like... Uh... Kevin Spacey just ruins Baby Driver, unfortunately. Um, and Ansel Elgort as well, too. It's like yeah, the, yeah, he's the fucking too. close your eyes and spin around and, you know, pick some hey. John Hamm, whatever. He's just good music. Don just Draper. Yeah. Listen to the soundtrack, I guess. But yeah, um, my first pick here, 
And I think you're going to get everything you, you like here, Corbin. So it should be a good draft for you if you want here. But I'm going to go with 21 Jump Street for my first pick. <laughs> um, I haven't mentioned it the entire uh, episode here because I didn't want you to take it. But Brie Larson has a smaller role in it. She's pretty much uh, kind of the love interest for Jonah Hill. And she's like one of the theater kids who, uh, you know, they're they're infiltrating the high school, obviously. Uh, 21 Jump Street is a pretty dumb comedy. I think the first one's pretty good. The chemistry of the trio of, obviously, the leads, Jonah Hill, Shani Tatum, and then throw Brie Larson in the mix. I think she was missed in the sequel a little bit. Um, and I think I do like the OG a little bit more with her and uh, James Franco, kind of their fun pairing. So just a personal preference. I'm going to take 21 Jump Street here first. Dave Franco, I think you mean. Not yeah, James. Dave, whatever. They're all the same. Actually, James sucks now too. So <laughs> We like Dave. Everybody's canceling Hollywood. Yeah, we do Hus- like Dave. Husband of Allison, Allison Brie. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out. Cody's uh, like a big you know, I'm glad you, well, I'm not glad, but you should be glad you took 21 Jump Street because that was going to be my next pick. You, you, you slapped that oh. up. It was not going to slide. Nice. So good pick. Um, I'm going to take Kong Skull Island with my next pick, yeah. which um, I'm not a huge fan of like the Warner Brothers King Kong Godzilla MonsterVerse or whatever, you know, with King of Monsters and the 2014, again, Gareth Edward films, shout out to him. Um, but I think Kong Skull Island is actually a pretty fun one. It's a heavily MCU-ified cast with, you know, Tom Hiddleston and Sam Jackson and, you know, everyone else. But uh, Brie Larson's pretty fun in this one. It's uh, just a big monkey. I like monkey. <laughs> yeah, um, I saw this one a while away. A good pick from you, I think, there. Also, shout out John C. Riley, another great MCU actor. My second pick. I mean, it's been left here. I think I'm just going to take room. Um, again, like we've been saying, I think this is <laughs> undoubtedly her best performance. Again, reiterating, she won Best Actress, guys. She is a good actress. Let her do more dramatic stuff. But yeah, her, her and Jacob Tremblay obviously just carry this film on its back entirely. And Flounder. I think she's awesome. Yeah, Flounder from The Little Mermaid. Movie. Oh, Flounder. <laughs> uh, I forget that too. Um and he'll never live that down, but heck of a movie that that uh that Little Mermaid this year. It was good pretty flick. good, right? Good flick. Yeah. Commercial. Everybody loves water. It's the <laughs> hottest thing in film. I could go with you know Fast X. That's calling to me, but I'm gonna take the the other aforementioned uh, numbers movie with short term twelve. This is kind of you know her big like indie darling success. Um, it's a story about a lot of, you know, troubled youth at this essentially like kind of like a camp or like a, not a juvie, but, you know, a a group home sort of situation. And Brie Larson is one of the leaders there. And you've got people like Lakeith Stanfield playing the the kids there. Um, And it's, it's an emotional kind of sad story. I think also a favorite of yours, Caitlin Deaver appears in the movie. Is that correct? Nice. Yeah. Shut up. Booksmart. Uh, yeah, Caitlin Deaver, Rami Malek uh, is kind of like the POV character who shows up and like doesn't know what's going on. Um, but overall, yeah, it's a, it's a heartwarming story. And uh, Daniel Dustin Crichton, the director of it and writer of it, also another movie uh, he directed was Just Mercy, which he appears in, which I was thinking about maybe taking, uh, 2018 film. But uh, yeah, no, Short Term 12, I would recommend it. It's available on Pluto and Tubi for free if you want to check it out. <laughs> Love me some Tubi, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, 
I've not seen the movie, but I will put that on the list. I like Lucky Stanfield, obviously, a lot, too. So that does uh, sound pretty interesting. And like you said, I feel like uh, at this point, it's a bit of the deeper cuts here. I, I, I don't, in the slightest, even want to consider taking Fast X. So that's off the table. I mean, I could go Endgame, but I feel like that's pretty boring. So I'm going to throw out uh, The Spectacular Now uh, as my last pick. Uh, Brie Larson has a pretty small role in this. Um, obviously it's a Miles Teller and a Shailene Woodley kind of coming of age relationship story. It's decent. It's not like my favorite uh, movie of all time, but I think it's definitely passable kind of in the subgenre that it's in. Uh, sort of that young adult uh, in like the, the mid 2010s was just crazy overplayed, but I think it gives a different angle to it. Just being like ultra realistic. And Brie Larson is kind of like Miles Teller's uh, like toxic ex that he's trying to kind of uh, I guess rebound off of um, in a sense but she's fun she's she doesn't do anything crazy but I think that movie as a whole is is just better than than pretty much anything else remaining so I'll pick that up I've not seen that one honestly so really um, a24 joint I gotta check out yeah I'm surprised it's it's not bad I'd recommend it all right Cody I took Scott Pilgrim versus the world Kong Sky Island in short term 12 your team is Oh man, I, mean, I took I took a uh, Twenty One Jump Street, the Spectacular Now, and oh, with Room, her, her best movie. Yeah, how can I forget that one? Solid head to head battle there. Finally, weekly watches. Hey, uh, what are you watching? We'll get it started with what everyone's been waiting to hear from us, Cody. Survivor, the shot in the dark has been played and it worked. Oh, what are man. your thoughts going into this week? The feel, the real merge. Yeah, it's interesting. And I was going to say that too. Like, like this is in, in New Age Survivor, it's pretty dumb because it's like, this isn't the merge, guys. You know, we're not merged yet. I mean, this is the merge vote. This was probably the, in the New Age, the best merge vote that we've had. And I think the shot in the dark, this is the perfect time for it to work. Because we've seen in the past, like, when there's a 13 or 12 person merge, you typically do, you don't see the divisions right away because it kind of gives away your cards a little bit too early. And it's a lot easier to be like, hey, let's literally every single person go and vote for them. I feel like the vote that stands out with that is like Elizabeth and, and David versus Goliath when you had the counterattacks, you know, ready to strike, but they didn't want to show their cards yet. Um, so in this, again, I don't know if, you know, strategically speaking, this is even a good move from uh, either of the major tribes. I feel like for Reba, it makes a little bit more sense. Um, but like for Bruce targeting Caleb right here, I don't know how that makes any sense because he knows he has an idol. And knowing Caleb, like I would have been shocked if Caleb didn't have an idol. So giving Emily kind of the chance to go and talk to him and be like, yeah, you're in trouble. I wonder what else, you know, she's going to say to him. What do you expect? So I don't know. For the shot in the dark to work here, I think makes sense on a story standpoint. Just because Caleb's probably my favorite character of the season, and I'm sure that's true of a lot of other people. But I don't, it, it feels kind of like extremely staged to me. Um, did you get that notion at all? I, I don't know. I, I just don't know if like this roll of the dice in a sense. I don't want to I don't want to cast any doubts on the uh, ethic ethics of Jeff Probst, Cody. I'll say that now. <laughs> this is a po- yeah, pro probst but... pod. I thought it was a good episode. I mean, a vote like that with a shocking, I mean, he negated what 12 votes. Um, Most ever is pretty cool. Yeah. Shout out Kelly Wentworth at the OG. But uh, yeah, I thought it was a good episode. It'll be interesting kind of the, 
the reaction to that. I hope he doesn't get targeted again right away. That would suck. But he's kind of my winner pick now. So shout out Caleb. He's he's by far my favorite character this season. So I hope he goes deep. Yeah, I don't I don't think he's gonna win, but you know, big move. Shout out to him. We'll see what happens uh coming forward. I'm excited for the official merge to happen and I'm ready for the uh the Bruce Katura head to head. That's what I want to see happen this week. Yeah. I don't know if that will though, really. The thing is the tribe division is interesting because Reba split, obviously they finally turned on Jamaya, which they've been talking about doing forever. But I feel like specifically for I don't even remember the blue tribe's name. They're so forgettable, but I don't know why they wouldn't just go along with the J Maya vote there. Because it gives them more numbers. Then they can even pull in Caleb but with that. Um, because he went around, did his whole Reba campaign, which I think is what freaked out Bruce. But if they just play that cool for one vote and then kind of snap and take out Austin or, or the redhead guy, I think they're in pretty good position. And then Katura and him and him can kind of go back at it. But yeah, it'll be interesting. I don't think um Bruce Katura, I don't think anybody, Kelly, I don't think they have much chance of winning the game at this point, which is unfortunate. But I think we're gonna see a D Austin, Redhead, Julie, like final five with uh with Emily or something. I think that's what it'll come down to. Reba, the Reba four, man. They're powerful. Gotta watch also, out. Such a stupid drive, man. But uh yeah, shout out Survivor. <laughs> TV TV wise, I uh, finished. Mina and I finished season three of the Only Murders in the Building TV show, uh, the weakest season so far. I think it's gotten progressively worse. But Cody, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, Meryl Streep was in season three. So, didn't love and me some Paul Meryl. Rudd. Paul Rudd and Meryl Streep both. Uh, Paul Rudd was the person who was murdered, so he w- didn't play a huge role, but he was around somewhat. That show was fine. I got through it. It's over with now. Um, and then on top of that, I've watched a ton of movies since the last time we recorded. <laughs> so I will try and just rip through. Uh, since then, I checked out The Village, M. Night Shyamalan. I knew what the twist was, so maybe that's why I didn't think it was super effective. But I think it's a fine movie. Joaquin performing, uh, being a little weirdo as always. I went and saw the new Five Nights at Freddy's film, Cody, mm. um, which has a twist quote unquote that is very obvious and like not even play like I don't even know if they're trying to hide it it's so bad it's, it's really strange um, but the movie's done smashing at the box office it's a crazy hit and um, it shows the power that you know young people want to go see movies about things they care about and that you if you tap into that audience it, it is there uh, and ready to go see it despite the fact that the movie was released on Peacock and uh, in theaters on the same day people still went out and saw it which I think is really cool Friday the 13th part two the strangers and Mary Shelley's Frankenstein all just kind of like fine horror-ish movies I will say Mary Shelley's Frankenstein I don't know if you know uh, is a Kenneth Branagh version of the story, and it's got Robert De Niro playing Frankenstein's monster, which was kind of fun. Um, I also went on a little bit of a saw binge. I watched two, three, four. Two has a twist that I do genuinely uh, enjoy quite a bit and uh, would recommend to the people. Three and four are fine. Uh, I will be eventually checking out five, six, seven, eight, nine, and of course, X uh, whenever we get there. Uh, I also saw The Killer, which is David Fincher's new film in theaters. It's releasing on Netflix this weekend. Um, I did really enjoy it. I, it's not my favorite of his films, but then again, like his favorite 
my favorite of his films is one of my all-time favorites and then zodiac is like also probably my top 30 and you know seven is up there in my top like 50 so he's an incredible filmmaker and it's cool to see him at the end of his career kind of reflecting back on his work and maybe even making a movie that is kind of about himself in, in a lot of ways so um, i would recommend checking that out when it drops on netflix this weekend um also watched The Nightmare Before Christmas uh, on November 1st, which, you know, get into the holiday spirit. Halloween, Halloween, this is Halloween, it's over. And we're moving on to uh, to the wonderful holiday season. That kind of also reminds me of the uh, Guardians movie that you were talking about, the, you know, like all the creature, you know, the Tooth Fairy and the fucking oh, Cap Jack Frost or whatever. Yeah. yeah, Rise of the Guardians movie. It's It's got Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, sorry, Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas vibes to it. Um, and then I also watched After Hours, which is uh, early Scorsese from 1985, um, kind of like a, a one crazy night movie where Griffin Dune is there, just kind of like shit just keeps happening to him. And it, it's really unfortunate. And it's also like, man, New York is a scary place in the 80s. Um, rewatched Pulp Fiction, which I mentioned, Sam Jackson, an icon. Um, I think I like the movie less than I did, which is interesting to say. I'm, I'm maybe I still think it's a really well made movie and it's awesome, but you know it's not top tier stuff. It, it's it's waned a little bit for me. Um, once the once the you know the gimmickiness of the story you know pulls away. <laughs> Shout out to Tarantino saying the N word a bunch of times, and then the last thing that I will say, which uh, is a movie you picked. Cody to be nominated for an Oscar by the country of France, Anatomy of the Fall. Unfortunately, um, as I maybe alluded to, uh, there's other movies out there and, and France picked the taste of things instead, but I did go see Anatomy of the Fall and I really enjoyed it. Sandra Holler, who Car Carter and I both picked to be nominated for Best Actress, is phenomenal in the movie. Um, it is a courtroom drama, but it's also kind of like a true crime movie to a certain extent. Um, even though you know what happened, it leaves you questioning what might have happened. There's uh, a fight, like a, a verbal altercation scene between Sandra Holler and her husband in the movie um, that exists in recording that we get to then see play out on screen and is like one of the best acted fights I've ever seen. It like takes the marriage story, you know, ScarJo and Adam Driver yelling and punching walls. Um, shit and kind of just like tosses it to the side and says this is how it's done um also a really fantastic child acting performance in this movie as well um a lot of interesting questions about you know morality and suicide and you know what do you do when your husband dies and you have to defend that you didn't kill him right um really powerful stuff also really cool look at what French court is and also the way that like language plays a role um, in movies and in, in real life and in Europe when you have like this German woman who mainly speaks English but a little bit of French and then has to be in court and you know defend herself and, and speak the language and kind of stand up and uh, The Zone of Interest is a movie that I saw also earlier this year at New York Film Festival that has Sandra Holler in it. Um, she's fantastic and uh, she's picking great projects. I got to hear her speak after that uh, Zone of Interest premiere and, and I'm, a, I'm a big fan of hers. Hope she does get a, some uh, Oscar recognition. Love that. Shout out to her agent as well, but uh, yeah, I mean, you're raving the movie. How come uh, it, it's not deserving of- I guess the taste of things, man, which here's the thing, a taste of things, Cody, a cooking movie. It's It sounds right up your alley. I think you might even be a bigger fan of it. All right, I might be on board now, but uh, yeah, that is a frustrating 
uh, pick from France in, in uh, hindsight, but a lot of watches there. Love that. I'll just run through a few of mine here as well. Off the top, checked out uh, something you recommended, actually, the Black Phone. Uh, scary Ethan Hawke performance, but I actually really like this movie a lot. Um, sort of the, the kid angle. The kid actors are unbelievable in this, and uh, they did have me, you know, in the feels at the end. So I would recommend that highly if, uh, like you said, too, it, it kind of is just like, um, it's like a horror. Dude, what Days the... and Confused, man. Yeah, why can I never remember the fucking name of that movie? It's like a horror Days and Confused, low-key. Uh, I know why, Cody. I think I know exactly why. <laughs> <laughs> I keep that in. Um, and then past that, like we say, and been on a bit of a horror binge, I guess. Uh, still continuing the Scream franchise. So I watched Scream 3. Which um, I actually kind of liked. I think uh, Scream is that two- the Hollywood producer one, like the weird sex stuff. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And again, that's my least favorite thing about it for sure. I believe Weinstein was even pro- a producer. Yeah, on it's the a film. Miramax movie, which like I uh, guess on one hand you could be like, oh, Wes Craven is like commenting on that fact, but it's like he made money off this, so I don't. Yeah. It's I, like it's my least favorite. I'll say. I don't know. Like obviously it's Scream, so it's supposed to be meta. So, I mean, it's definitely supposed to be meta, but that stuff I didn't like at all with kind of her mom and their relationship with, with Hollywood. But everything else I thought was fine. I think um, the opening scene with Cotton Weary, uh, Leah Schreibe getting uh, stabbed up, I thought that was fun. And of course, I mean, it's the same screen movie with like Courtney Cox and, and David Arquette. So I like that stuff about it too. I'm going to try and knock out the whole franchise this year. Um, and eventually, because I picked Scream 6 or 7 or whatever it was for my... Uh, fantasy draft this year six yeah yeah so i want to get to that point eventually but scream three it's pretty much on the same level as scream two i think for me uh, other than the the weird hollywood stuff um other than that i did as well finally check out it chapter two which if you haven't seen our it episode go check that out but man chapter two sucks uh, <laughs> i was not a fan at all i love the cast again it's similar to captain marvel here like i like all the actors in it but it was literally just like the exact same movie as the first one, but Pennywise really isn't in it. And I, I know too, like in the first one, Pennywise isn't in it a lot, but they just use his scenes 10 times more effectively, I feel like. So it chapter two, you know, if you want to sit around for three hours and, and pretty much do nothing, um, I guess I'd recommend it. But shout out James McAvoy too. He's awesome. Um, other than that, the one other movie I saw recently, I did go check out the creator in theaters as I've been uh foreshadowing here gareth edwards uh water shots still another jimma chan flick (laughs) i know jimma chan again five minutes of screen time i don't know what's going on with that but get her in more leading roles um i don't know i've seen a bunch of stuff online of people are like this is really good i like this a lot i don't know i think it's just okay um it's sort of just like logan but in the future um and well, it's like know. it's it's a trope that I, I I believe you could describe it as like the lone wolf and cub trope that has become very popular recently. Think The Last like, of Us or The yeah. Mandalorian. Like Yeah. The Last of Us too is I think just pretty much verbatim exactly what this movie is in a sense. But I don't know. I don't love like John David Washington and the kids like kind of chemistry. I thought it was okay. Also, I've said this before, but I gen I, I can't stand watching John David Washington um just do dialogue in a movie i don't know there's just something about it that uh, i just heavily dislike so that took me out of it a little bit and 
I like the what about his performance on the sidelines of the Brooklyn Nets game with Adam Driver, Hassan Minaj, and Eric Andre? Because that's some top-notch stuff, yeah. paparazzi-wise. I thought that was pretty great. I'm not going to lie, but everything else that I've seen even recently, uh, I think it all started with Amsterdam, and it's all just gone downhill from there. But, yeah, I don't know. Gareth Edwards, I'd love to see more kind of original sci-fi stuff because I feel like that's not something we see a ton in Hollywood. So I feel bad that I'm not like, I love this movie 100%. But yeah, keep him working. But this movie, I, I wouldn't highly recommend it, honestly. Yeah, I agree with all that sentiment. And also you come out of it and you're like, so this is like pro AI? Like this is... Yeah, and the main themes are just being... Like, it's a cool concept of like an all-out war between AI and humans. But it's definitely like, oh, AI is good. And... I don't know if I necessarily agree with that at this current moment of time either. So it's kind of just the the ideas behind it. I think they're fun. If you just do like a full out like robot versus human war, that's badass. But throwing in that little aspect, I was like, yeah, uh, this movie's just not for me, I don't think. Yeah, I agree. Anything else you uh, wanted to hit? That was pretty much it. I mean, we touched on Survivor. I have been watching Loki as well continuously here. Um, the past two episodes have actually been pretty good. I thought it was interesting too. I was reading on it online and uh, Loki season two is the only um, show that they have done and possibly movie too. I don't know, but the only show that hasn't had any reshoots at all. So they came into the season knowing exactly kind of story-wise what they were wanting to do, which I like a lot. And the plot so far has been probably like one of the more interesting stories that they've done. So I I've liked it so far, but again, once they get to like, because it's an eight episode series, I would assume, and I've gone through five or six. Once they get to the final two, it seems like they always shat the bed. So I'm just expecting that to come here soon. But yeah, so far, I, I would definitely recommend Loki season two. Uh, shout out again. Um, oh man, dude, I cannot pull names tonight. He Kwan. Yeah, he Kwan. Is that right? Sure. He's awesome. Uh, I want him in every MCU project going forward. But yeah, OB, that's his character's name. He's the best. Yeah, I haven't hopped on the, uh, the Loki train, but maybe one day. I'll uh, I'll join you, Cody. Love it. Well, thank you guys for uh, listening to this episode. Uh, you can follow us at Cat Podcast on uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and uh, thank you for listening. And we'll catch you in the next one. Stay capping. Peace. What you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response. Were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.